Sports fans, I am Danielle McCartan, and tonight, I guess you can call this McCartan before midnight, the super utility around here, these parts here. I'm talking all things New York sports with you until 3 a.m. in New York City and beyond. And whatever you're doing at the moment, I appreciate you tuning into my show right now and throughout the next couple hours, whether that be on your car radio, streaming from WFN.com or on our free Odyssey app. And of course, we are here in the Big Apple, as always. And Connor Green and I are coming to you from the regular studio, the Mike Francesa studio here in Lower Manhattan. So go ahead, start dialing 877-337-6666. Get aboard, lock in for the next four hours. And before we really kick this one off tonight, as you know, uh, we are in the waning minutes here of Veterans Day, and no matter which team you root for here in this city and beyond, uh, we can all root for Team USA. So for our service men and our service women who, who sacrifice their lives to keep us safe each and every day, um, in, including the brave who have made the ultimate sacrifice, just, you know, I just want to take a second or two just to say thank you to those who have served who continue to serve and and who will in the future serve our great country. Um, And also, don't forget the military families for for their sacrifices as well. So today and every day, I, and I think I could, I hope I could speak for the entire listening audience. We thank you, servicemen, servicewomen, and your families here on this Veterans Day 2023. And, And one more quick note. Uh, I was watching it before I had to leave my house. There was no way for me to keep track of it on the drive here. But, you know, the question always comes up, who's going to be the next champion in and around these parts, professional sports champion? Well, turns out it just so happens to be Gotham FC, women's soccer team, New York, or actually they list New Jersey first, New Jersey, New York, Gotham FC. They beat O.L. Reign in San Diego just a short time ago. Final score was 2-1. to one. Congratulations to Gotham FC. As I sit here tonight in a Gotham FC Carly Lloyd number 10 t-shirt, um, it's very nice to see, you know, just, just a, a local team doing well because I, I have a feeling uh, tonight we're going to talk about our local teams that are, you know, not doing well. So just wanted to, to highlight, uh, uh, you know, the Allie Krieger going off into the sunset of her career as an NWSL champion. Final score again, two to one. New Jersey, New York, Gotham FC comes out on top. Congratulations to them. I guess we'll actually start tonight, like for real, for real, with the only football team of the two of them that is holding on to a shred, holding on to a sliver of relevancy. And that is the New York Jets. You know, it would have been a a, a much more positive mindset in this moment in time at 11.06 p.m. on Veterans Day 2023 had the Jets not crapped the bed against the Chargers on national TV. I mean, where do you even start to tug at the threads of what went wrong in that game? You'd be shirtless in 30 seconds. Garrett Wilson, after the game, was asked if it was the play calling. And 
the way in which he responded was telling in addition to what he said. He said, um, there was a pause. I don't know. I really don't know. That wasn't what we expected to do. That's not what I expected to do today. I know a lot of guys feel the same. End quote, Garrett Wilson. He also said he's tired of walking off the field and having to look the defense in their eyes after yet another three and out. There are so many directions we can go in. But as Jelly Roll reminded us at the CMA Awards the other night, in part, this is a quote, he said, and he exclaimed it. It was this, this rousing moment at the CMA Awards. And, and I was watching it. I'm a country music fan. He said, I just want to tell you that the windshield is bigger than the rearview mirror, and what's in front of you is so much more important than what's behind you. That's my Jelly Roll impression. Okay, so we look out the windshield tonight. Um, but real quick, a quick, quick glance at the rearview mirror says that had the Jets beaten the Chargers on Monday Night Football just a few days ago, today, they, right now, they'd be looking at a 65% chance and improving to make the playoffs. But as we all know, the Jets couldn't even hang a touchdown on the mediocre Chargers. And now, today, with that big, fat L, they're looking at just a 30, or 35% chance to make the playoffs. And those figures from Pro Football Focus, by the way. Now, you know I am not a sensationalist. I am not a hot take artist by any means. But this Jets season... This Jets 2023 season is perilously teetering on the brink of irrelevancy. And this Raiders game on Sunday night football in week 10. I mean, this is the make or break point for the New York Jets. And so on the television sets of a national audience in Sin City with Zach Wilson, forget Betting on Raider Black, the New York Jets are pushing all of their chips onto Gotham Green. And they're hoping that little white ball lands in the rarely called pocket. No more bets. This one is for the season. As per pro football focus, with a loss against the Raiders, the Jets will drop to about a 25% chance to make the playoffs. With a win, they'll stay in the hunt. Those are my words, at about 55%. And with the Bills and the Dolphins next up on the schedule in that order, in Buffalo, by the way, two things are true. Number one, it is correct to say that the Jets are playing for their season with the deck stacked against them in the gambling capital of the world. Because to lose two out of the next three, or dare I say it, all three of them, Forget about it. And also true, number two, Zach Wilson is playing for his starting quarterback career, at least here in New York. I think a first half without a touchdown from Zach Wilson and the Jets, an offensive touchdown, would relegate him to the bench for the remainder of the season. That's what you get for waking up in Vegas, right? I mean, it literally cannot get any worse than Zach Wilson. I'm sorry. On November 7th, Robert Sala was asked about his plans for quarterback. He said he is not at this time considering bringing up Trevor Simeon. And he added, it's easy to blame the quarterback and offensive coordinator when things aren't going well. Well, 
maybe maybe it's me that's confused. But those are two of the most important pieces to an offense, no? The quarterback and the offensive coordinator? Now the Jets owe it to Aaron Rodgers, who is still vowing to return to this mess through an unprecedented, grueling rehab. They owe it to him to make a change at quarterback. He'll come back. We talked about it. He said it multiple times. Only if the team is in playoff contention. And again, with a loss in Sin City, those chances are, are likely gone, Mr. Papa Giorgio. My dad used to call my brother that, by the way, from uh, Vegas vacation. But the matter of fact is this. From the beginning, Zach Wilson was never supposed to be the backup in my mind. Third string at best. I have seen enough. Send him to the bench for the rest of the season. The offensive coordinator doesn't even know what to do with him. Look at a a potential Wilson benching through two lenses. The narrow lens and the wide lens. The narrow lens. I'm sorry, but he's going backwards. Look at that Chargers game. Midway, I'm 30,000 feet in the air coming back from Vegas watching this. Midway through quarter number one. Number one. Joey Bosa strip-zacked him. Strip-zack. Yes. Strip-zack, fumble, of course, and the very next drive, L.A. went up not only one, but two touchdowns at that point. It was 14 nothing halfway into the first quarter. For a team that cannot score points like the Jets can't. That was the death sentence right there. Read them their last rights because Zach Wilson buried them six feet under at that point. And I even knew that from watching the game 30,000 feet in the air. But I kept watching, of course, waiting for some miracle to happen that ultimately it never came because you look at midway through the first half. Look at this drive. Number one, Wilson flat out missed Dalvin Cook at the Chargers 34-yard line with Plenty of blockers ahead of him. Who knows what could have happened? Three plays later, Zach Wilson started to correctly scramble up the middle for what was going to be a first down. And then Zach Wilson inexplicably panicked and shovel-passed it to Carter for a net gain of three yards. Field goal unit! 14-3 Chargers. And number three, four minutes left in the game. The whole game. The Jets are miraculously down only two scores. The Jets' championship-caliber defense still had them in this game, believe it or not. And and you're sitting there. I'm sitting there in the plane trying to calculate the number of plays that they have left, comparing those against you know the, the clock, doing the division, thinking of an onside kick, a recovery, and three plays later, another strip Zach fumble rudely punctured my thought bubble. And... It might as well have been a scoop and score, no, but you know what? No matter, because Eckler punched it in from two yards out the very next play. Game over. Beat the traffic out of here. Let's go. And don't just take my commentary on it. I've never played tackle football in my life. But how about that from Troy Aikman? Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2006. In the first quarter, he said of Wilson, and this is a quote, well, he just air he airmailed the throw to Uzama. And then Aikman said after Wilson left a wide receiver exposed over the middle, made the catch, but got slammed. Aikman said, back in my time, a throw like that 
the guy wouldn't come back to the huddle. And I already hear you. Stop picking on the kid, Danielle. When are you going to stop picking on Zach Wilson? It's just one game. Yeah, okay. Now look at now put on the wide angle lens on why to relegate Zach Wilson to clipboard holding duty again. It cannot get any worse. They're 31st in total yards this season so far. The Jets are tied for last in the entire league in offensive touchdowns per game, 1.0. You know who they're tied with? The New York Giants. That's not good company in the year 2023. The Jets with Zach Wilson have the worst red zone touchdown percentage in the entire league. And how bad? They put the ball in the end zone from the, I'm sorry, excuse me, the gold zone, and I'm rounding up here, just 24% of the time. The next worst team, the Titans, a full 11% better than the Jets. You know, the Jets have had eight offensive touchdown drives so far this season. Half of them were on those one play, home run strikes, you know, hand it off to Brees Hall, he takes it to the house for 50-something yards. So half of them. That means that Zach Wilson has only orchestrated four touchdown drives this entire season. It's week 10. So my point being, how could it get any worse with any other quarterback under center? It literally cannot. Now, Boyle's not my choice. I'm still wondering why Trevor Simeon's Relegated to the practice squad. Robert Sala doesn't seem to know either. He pled the fifth when asked on the other station's afternoon drive show this week. Pled the fifth. What? What kind of dysfunction is that? 877-337-6666. We go to Rick in Long Valley, New Jersey. What's going on, Rick? Hey, Danielle. Love the show. I have a Jets point and then a quick Brooklyn Nets point, actually. Yeah. So, um... Yeah, as far as the Jets are concerned, what I'm seeing right now is that this this basically dictating Zach Wilson play is coming from above, and it's not the man above. Yeah. It's Woody. It's Woody Johnson. It's at the ownership level. I mean, mm-hmm. we've seen this movie before. Whether it was Mark Sanchez drafting right. a young quarterback, having a guy Mark Brunel who basically is like this version of Tim Boyle, and the Jets did not, of course, have any contingency plan for Aaron Rodgers. This right. offense. This wide receiving corps, this offensive line, this offensive courier and Hackett, everything was put into place to put Aaron Rodgers to succeed, and he has a lot of pull within the organization. So for me, again, first year season ticket holder, as excited as anybody to see Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. the fact that Jets are sitting at four and four right now with basically staring their playoff uh, destiny in their hand, mm-hmm. I'm actually I'm actually shocked. And you alluded to just the poor quarterback play from Zach Wilson. I mean, you if you look at him and you're either watching on TV or in the stands, he looks totally clueless at the line of scrimmage. He's yep. not making any adjustments. The team is, time and time again, within three seconds of the play clock, he's snapping the ball. I mean, he played 24 seconds of quality football against the New York Giants and somehow got a win. Mm-hmm. So, Again, I agree with you. I think if they lose uh, on Sunday, of course, in Las Vegas, I, I, from what I understand, there's a lot of Jet fans out there, so they're showing, showing out and showing proud. But, uh, boy, if they lose this game, I think playoffs are you know, added to the question, and I think they waved goodbye to a chance at a division by losing to the Chargers on Monday night. Um, and if I could just get to the Brooklyn Nets really quick, I was going to yeah, mention. Rick, Rick, one second. And I just want to point out, too, and I'll get to it a little bit later and more in depth, but, you know, you blame the kid, you blame the coach, whatever, but – 
the, the real blame lands squarely on the shoulders of the general manager. I mean, you have a guy who's going to be 40 years old in two weeks as your quarterback, and you don't have a contingency plan for him. We could talk about that, but go ahead. What's your Brooklyn Nets point? Oh, and sure. Just one quick thing, too. And Joe Douglas, when he signed with the Jets, six-year contract, right? I mean, he basically dumped Sam Darnold to the scrap heap, wanted to handpick his own quarterback, yeah. and look where that got them. Yeah. So, um, and, and then as far as the Brooklyn Nets, again, I mean, this is a team right now, they're at four and five on the season. Cam Thomas is one of the most exciting young players in the game, 22 mm-hmm. years old. Of course, he's going to miss the next couple of weeks, but I know that the Knicks are the sexy pick in the, uh, you know, going to draw a lot of eyeballs, especially in New York City. But I'm telling you now, look out for the Brooklyn Nets because this team reminds me of that 2018-2019 club with Kenny Atkinson. They're young, they're fun, they're selfless. They go eight, nine guys deep, and they're really a true superstar or co-star away um, for making some noise in the East. So, you know, I'm looking forward to watching them this season. I mean, we'll, yeah, we'll see. And, and thanks for the call there, Rick. I mean, the, the, the Nets, first of all, the East is going to be a gauntlet. Probably headed by the Boston Celtics, in my opinion. And I mean, they 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 never threatened them. They they just played the Boston Celtics, and they never threatened them. They lost one twenty one to one oh seven. Game over. And and I understand there's injury. Of course, that's a big injury to have. I mean, maybe this team improves greatly and vastly and quickly as the season goes on. But uh, you know. I don't see it. Sorry. They color me not impressed, but but I don't see it. All right. We've got a ton of calls here. I got to hit a quick break here. I'm Daniel McCartan with you till 3 a.m. here on The Fan. I'm slowly losing hope of everything I've got. You're looking so damn hot. And welcome back to The Fan. My name is Danielle McCartan. And yes, that is Luke Bryan. And the song is I Don't Want This Night to End. And uh, that was a DJ Connor Green special. That was a surprise. He picked it. Surprised me because did you see or hear? Um, you know, the Jets have a quarterback problem in more ways than one. And this time it's with a guy named Peyton Manning. And I told you in the open, I am a country music fan. So I was watching the CMA Awards the other night, and Peyton Manning had a terrible joke. And um, I got the audio. I pulled it from the Jets' official Twitter account. Here is the poor joke that uh, Peyton Manning made, co-host Peyton Manning made with his other co-host, Luke Bryan. Go ahead, Connor. Luke, you know the difference between Taylor Swift and the New York Jets? Uh, Taylor can sell out a stadium? You nailed it. I uh, had you do that punchline, Luke, so I wouldn't get in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Real funny. There is no doubt in my mind that Peyton Manning planted Adam Guru here on purpose to inflict misery and to set this team back, what, almost a decade? And I just want to know why. Like, what is Peyton Manning's problem with the New York Jets? I'm sorry, but say what you want about them, and it's probably all true. But the Jets are third in average attendance so far this season, so... I don't get the joke there, Peyton Manning. Maybe it needs to be explained to me. Let me cue the human laugh track. <laughs> so it's not that funny. Connor, do you want to take a guess at the two teams that have the better average attendance than the New York Jets do this season? There's only two of them. Kansas City Chiefs? No. I don't know. Buffalo Bills? Nope. One more? Cincinnati Bengals. Nope. Baltimore Ravens. Nope. I'll just go through every single team. Go ahead. No. 
Nope. Tennessee Titans. Nope. San Francisco 49ers. One's obvious, the other one not so obvious. Philadelphia Eagles. Merca. I don't know. I'm I'm lost. Number one, Merca's team, the Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys. Uh-huh. And number two, believe it or not. New York Giants. The New York Giants. Yeah, so so the Jets trail only the two of them. The Cowboys are number one in average attendance so far this season. The Giants are number two so far this season. The Jets are number three, so I don't get the joke, Peyton Manning. Maybe one of the callers on hold could uh, could explain it to me. 877-337-6666. We go up to Austin in New York. Abnor, what's going on? Hey, Danielle. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, All right, thanks so for making it. A couple, couple of tips. Um, Brian Dable got the coach of the year last year. Yes. I think this year they should uh, hand him a award for the worst coach of the year. And why because, is that? Um, okay. Well, I mean, they haven't scored an offensive touchdown in four games. I mean, in soccer, they they score more points than the Giants and the Jets uh, do in offense. So, I mean, I don't know, but this is this went so wrong. It's like a a perfect marriage that uh, they got divorced after after a week on honeymoon. So, I don't understand how can he still? Why doesn't he take the play calling? I understand he's got a third string quarterback, but take the play calling or do something. There's a uh, some kind of change got to be made. I don't understand. I mean, he stays on the sideline, just uh, huffing and puffing. You got to make a change. Do yeah. something about it. I mean, I don't. I don't understand. Also, when that the Jet game, uh, how do you draft a quarterback who can't throw the ball? I mean, uh, John Mara could have went and throw three yards and make a pass and, and win that game. So, are you, talk, are you talking about Devito? Devito, when they didn't yeah, let him throw the ball, yeah. he, they they didn't draft him. He yeah, was the, he was he was not drafted. Well, it doesn't matter. I mean, uh, he's he's employed, right? He he still he makes money. Well, right, so but, what but I'm I just wanted is, to clarify for the listeners that that he he was not no, drafted sorry, by the apology. Giants. Okay, That's okay. My apologies. He wasn't drafted, but, but I, I, just, I, I get okay. it. He's on your roster. He, he he gets called up, and you don't let him throw a single exactly. pass. What's going on with that? I mean, three, all you got to do is throw throw to Barkley. I mean, a screen pass or something, just yeah. three yards, and and win that game. All I'm saying is. Dable's got to do something. I mean, if you want to make a name in New York and become somebody uh, and stay here for a while, you got to just make a change. Okay, Um, what happened to the Lions last year? The first six, seven games, they were terrible, eight games, ten games. But then they made a run. So Giants, I'm not saying they're going anywhere this year, especially with the DeVito. But at least do, I mean, show me something tomorrow I'm off, and I like to watch football. Make my Sunday uh, joyable so I can watch football. My wife is very happy because <laughs> Giants are doing bad. I get I don't get to stay home. <laughs> oh, anyway, you're going apple just, picking and all that, right? Yeah, I'm just so upset. I <laughs> want to watch my Giants, but guess what? Have a nice day. Great show as always. Thank and you. Thanks for taking my call. Appreciate it. Thanks for making the call. Yeah, and I agree with that. I mean, there, something's got to change, right? You keep doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. I mean, you know what that's the definition of, right? Insanity. We all know that. Uh Maybe they both take and play calling responsibilities. I would not be opposed to that. But again, you're working with a third-string quarterback who was not drafted, who still lives home with his parents, and and, and an offensive line, which, I don't know, I would say Georgia's is better. I would say Penn State's is better than this Giants offensive line at this moment in time. Uh, So there's a lot of things, right? And I think there's a lot of things 
But I don't think Brian Dable is at the top of like list of concerns. I mean, it's just this this the season just spiraled out of control real fast. And and maybe taking play call duties, you know, taking over play call duties would, would help it. Maybe, potentially. But you can only do so much with what you have. And the Giants don't have an offensive line. That, and that you could point to all the injuries suffered by Daniel Jones at the hands of that offensive line. That's that's the truth. So I, I digress, you know. But it's just uh, it's just a mess, and it's just got out of hand so quickly over there for the Giants. But again, no, Devito was not drafted. He, just just to be really clear on that. Anyway, eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. And you love the local story, right? You do. You just love it. You want to root for him. But I'll tell you something. I'm not rooting for him this week. I'll tell you why. I picked the Giants in my survivor. I mean, the, the the Cowboys in my survivor pool. The Giants can win the rest of the season with Danny with Danny DeVito. Listen to me, with uh, with Tommy DeVito. Just not tomorrow. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. We go to line two. Michael Lake Mary, Florida. What's going on? Hey, how are you, Danielle? Good. How are you? Ah, oh, doing great. I got a Giant and a Jet point. Let's start with the Jets first. So. Can you explain to me how this team can be put together to be built around Aaron Rodgers without any plan whatsoever that if he got hurt, what do we, what do you do? Yeah. And, you know, I got to tell you, if I'm Joe Douglas, how are you not the next day? And yet, and by the way, he had seven weeks until the trading deadline to get another quarterback in here. Absolutely nothing. Yep. Right. You keep rolling out Wilson and you get the smoke and mirrors on a couple of the wins, really, that the defense and the special teams is why they won the Buffalo game, why they won the Philadelphia game, and right. the Giants basically giving them the game back. Well, and you, you know wonder, what? Michael, forget, forget about uh, the trading deadline. You had two guys in Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan that you could have just signed for money. That's it. Right. Right. Tons of options, right? The, second, the second Aaron Rodgers went down, they could have picked up the phone and called them. I would have been on the phone that night. Yeah. I, mean, I, don't, I don't get this. Right? I, I mean, really, it, it's a shame because this defense is being wasted. So the whole season hangs in the balance this week. They've got to win this game. But honestly, I, I agree with you. Wilson, if he does anything poor in the first half, I have, you have to sit him. You have to change something. You just can't keep going and going with this. Well, the other option is Boyle. you got Simeon on the bench. I, I, I mean, on the practice squad. I don't understand. So if, if it's me, am I, I'm picking between Zach Wilson and, and, and Boyle. I'm actually picking Zach Wilson, believe it or not. The, pro- uh, the mind-boggling thing to me is why Trevor Simeon is still on the practice squad. That's the big thing. Right. I would at least brought him over. That's right. for sure. Right. And on a giant point, you might cover this a little bit later, And but Xavier McKinney, how dare you actually come on and say that you're not given a voice in the locker room yeah. as a leader? Yeah. This is a guy, excuse me, this is a guy, right? Yeah. How dare he say this, that... I think tackling better by uh, you know flag football players than him. Okay, as far as far as that's concerned, and this guy last year has the nerve to get into the motorbike accident, right? And he's and he's never the same, and he hasn't been the same since. And you have the and he has and he comes out and says he's not a leader in the locker room. And yeah. I'm glad I'm glad that Wink Martindale kind of said what he said because this is this, to me this is his ticket out the door in, in my opinion oh yeah I, don't think I mean his contract is up I mean I, to me it, it's silly that he wouldn't say it before the trade deadline honestly because the Giants like what if he if he made a big deal like this before the trade deadline there's no doubt in my mind that he'd be out the door but to do it after uh, the trade deadline that's a silly move by him 
Yeah, absolutely. But Danielle, listen, great always talking to you. You have a great night, okay? Thanks, you too, Michael. Appreciate that. Silly comments. Silly, silly comments by Xavier McKinney. That's why you don't have 10 captains on a single team, man. Can't have 10 guys in charge and and everybody else has got to fall in line. 10 is too many. Xavier McKinney, you played your hand wrong, man. You should have done it before the trade deadline. You don't, you're not under contract after this season with the New York Football Giants. You should have shipped yourself out other other elsewhere. Because now they're just not going to release you. They could have traded you. I mean, everybody would have been happy. But don't do that. Don't make those comments. That's, that's, a, that's a poor leadership, if you ask me. Ironic, coming from the captain, or one of the captains, right? 877-337-6666 is the phone number to get aboard. We've got mystery quarterback to play. Um, And, you know, the Jets obviously need a change at quarterback. But who? I'm Daniel McCartan. This is my solution-based show. I've got an answer for you, again, at 877-337-6666. Usher, Usher. My name is Danielle McCartan. Welcome back to WFAN Radio in New York City. Thank you for tuning in. Whether that be, I don't know, in your actual car radio, a terrestrial radio. One of those ones, a transistor radio that my dad likes to listen on still to this day. Or maybe your high tech on the free Odyssey app. Thank you, thank you, and thank you. As I detailed in my open, the Jets are in need of a dire change. And, and that change is as clear as day needs to occur at the quarterback position because my ultimate overarching point being if the goal for the Jets is to tread water and be in the playoff hunt until Aaron Rodgers returns, Zach Wilson is not the guy to accomplish it. I have seen enough. Bring in anyone else. It cannot get any worse than where he has this team right now. And a quick little side note. What I was letting my mind kind of wander a little bit today. What would a Rogers return look like, really? Because uh, I think it's going to be something we've never seen before. Like I, I would think they would ima- like manage it like a Derek Carr, Taysom Hill kind of situation down in New Orleans. Because there's no chance that Rogers is going to like they need him immediately, right? So to drop him into this scenario immediately, there's no chance he'd be able to stay on the field for the duration of the entire game. Especially not immediately. Especially not immediately. So it would be interesting, right? Different packages for different quarterbacks. It could get kind of exciting, actually. But snap back to reality. because Until that happens, unfortunately, due to Joe Douglas's shortcomings, there are not great options on that roster to take over at quarterback if Wilson goes to the bench. I mean, you got option A, Boyle. He's ever uh, only ever thrown 106 passes in his career in the three games that he's ever started. Simeon hasn't started a game in almost exactly one calendar year, and he hasn't started consistently, like in back-to-back games, in almost exactly two calendar years. And he's not even available in this Raiders game. He's still on the practice squad. But what I did do was assemble one of my favorite things to do on this show, on my show, is mystery blank. I made a chart of mystery quarterbacks, all with the Jets, no names, just stats. 
and you tell me who you're picking just based on the numbers. Like, don't go trying to figure out who's who. It ruins it. Don't be that guy. I've posted it to my social media channels, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Go take a look. Go take a gander. Let me know which quarterback you're picking to ride out the rest of the season with until Aaron Rodgers hopefully returns. And I know who my answer is and is not. And I, I didn't go through the you know advanced metrics or whatever. I just picked out a couple things. A quarterback rating, which I love that stat. Uh, completion percentage, touchdowns, interceptions, fumbles, rushing attempts, bad throw percentage. And if you look at this, let's look at the results here so far. The easiest to do is on Instagram. So let me go to my Instagram story here. The overwhelming majority of Instagram voters, like not even close, are picking option B. I've got option A, B, and C. 61% of people are picking option B. And there's no way um, you can look... You can't. Twitter doesn't allow you to post an image and then like a, a chart. I mean, a um, a poll underneath it. If uh, Elon Musk, you're listening, please fix that. Um, B. B. Everybody's picking B, and so am I. Option B, by the way, the big reveal here. Option B is Trevor Simeon. His quarterback rating is the highest of the bunch. His completion percentage is the is the lowest of the bunch, in fact. But that's okay because the Jets have a problem scoring touchdowns, right? He's got twelve touchdowns and four interceptions over his last eight games. And I know I know I moan that I groan when they signed him, but the bottom line is this the Jets struggle to score. They struggle in the red zone. Simeon puts the ball in the end zone. That's an immediate improvement over the Jets' 1.0 touchdowns per game mark this season, tied for the worst in the NFL with the Giants. Simeon also, by the way, has the lowest bad throw percentage of them all. So it's still mind-boggling to me as to why, in fact, Trevor Simeon is still relegated to the practice squad. Do you know the answer? We go out to line three. Kevin and Camden. What's going on, Kevin? Hey, Coach. How are you? Great. What's going on? Uh, first, I'm going to talk about the uh, Jets. Like, was, you were just talking about anybody else other than Zach Wilson. Listen, Carson Wentz just got signed with the LA Rams. I mean, yep. he signed a couple days ago. Listen, you're talking about a man. And I, I never, I never, and I'm saying that with an emphasis, never like Carson Wentz. But I, I'd rather see what he can do than Zach Wilson. I, have, I, I like, I have seen enough. The Jets' defense is great, but their offense is horrible. I mean, you, you know, you got, they have, it's not like they don't have talent. They have talent. I think it's the offensive core. I don't know if it's Hackett. I don't know if it's the, the – I don't know what the deal is with it. But something's off with that offense. They're not it's, – it's, it's water's not going to get it in the playoffs. Not going to get you in there. Sorry. So I'm just saying that with the Jets. As far as the Giants, mm-hmm. uh, listen, uh, I predicted 11 wins. I didn't think it was going to be this bad. Um, Leonard Williams was gone. Good for him. He's going to a new team. Good for him. They got what you know. Got a lot for him. Whatever. I don't really care. But it's it's so disappointing. Daniel Jones is out. Like the Giants are going to get a new quarterback now. I think Jones is going to be out. Like I know he's, I know he just signed a new deal, but I think with, the, with how bad they are now, this this quarterback. And I'm not looking ahead. I'm just saying that the way this has been, it's been bad. And I think Jones. I, I, I think it's either going to be Dable or Jones, and I think Jones is going to be the one to be out. 
I mean, that's what I think. That's what eventually was going to happen. Yeah. Oh, ultimately, that—that's the way they're going. It's unfortunate what happened and how his career unraveled. It's just so bad with with the Giants. Like you, you, Evan Neal. Like, listen, McKinney was wrong with what he said, but Evan Neal. Listen, I've never forgiven him for his comments. The the burger flippers. I'll flip you out. I'll flip flip you something else, Evan Neal. (laughs) But I want you out too. I uh, no, I've never forgiven him for that. Like yeah. I don't want that guy. I don't. And we championed him. We wanted him when he was available to be yes. Yeah. But boy, we. I, I'll say to you, I was wrong on that one. I don't know. You. You know. I know. You probably admit it too. But the, the, I want him out. And McKinney. Well, that comment didn't really help the situation. But it, this season's lost anyway. So eight games to go. Tommy DeVito and Matt Barkley. I mean, like yeah. if we huh? just can. It's just, this openly say it's going to be a tankathon. Like, it's so bad. I just, the state of New York football, I'm just, it's, it's sad and depressing. I mean, I don't even know what to, like, I think the the uh, New York Guardians bring them back because that's how, that, I, I, we could probably see better from them than uh, what, <laughs> oh, what the Giants man. are just doing right now. You know what so. it is, Kevin? And, and thanks for the call there. It's time to become hockey fans, everybody, because the hockey is real good in this city, and I totally understand it. I mean, it's unfortunate how Daniel Jones's career likely is uh, has unraveled and, and has pretty much come to an end. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But, um, I mean, the, the Jets debacle lands squarely on the shoulders of Joe Douglas. I mean, come on, man. Come on. How do you not have a, a serviceable back? I mean, Mike White, even Mike White. My ideal quarterback room coming into this season was going to be Obviously, once you know Aaron Rodgers, right? Then I would have loved to see Mike White and Zach Wilson and break glass in case of emergency. Zach Wilson, that's it. That's the only way the guy sees the field. We talked about that here, and for some reason, he became their their backup quarterback to a forty year old. What could go wrong? Come on, Joe Douglas. Line five, Ben in Queens. What's going on, Ben? Howdy, Coach. Firstly, before I begin. Happy Vets Day to all my fellow veterans out there. And if you're in a pl- not a good place right now, just remember there's always outlets to talk and vent. All right? Secondly, congrats to SC Gotham. I, I-, I listed out everything to you that, uh, on Twitter what happened in that second half. And, and I, your reaction says it all. I'm not going to tell anybody here. <laughs> if they want to see the game, it's on Paramount Plus on the replay section of the sports. Um, but wow, just ah, and and just to tell you, seeing Rose Laval play, I side eye the ex U.S. coach even more. She did everything to try to get the rain that victory tonight. The Jets, yeah, yeah, you know, Joe, why I want you gone as a general manager, it's not because of Wilson. It's because you came into this season and you let White go and bring Tim Doyle uh, Tim Boyle in for Rodgers. If Boyle can't throw the ball in this system, isn't that why you brought him in? He knew the system? Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's so what I, he knows the system. Yes, that, that's it, it. That's the only it, benefit to having Boyle here. He knows the system. Go like, okay, he knows the system, but he can't play. 
Like, seriously, you see, you see Wilson doing all of that. I'm like, get Boyle in there. Get Boyle in there. From the beginning of the fourth quarter, get Boyle in there. I want to do it sooner, but hey, let, let Wilson work it out. He's still throwing good passes. Uh-uh. He was overshooting guys in the first quarter. Dude, dude, you're getting hit after three seconds. Why are you trying to do deep balls? Why, why when there's open field in front of you, don't you just let me run yeah. five no, yards? No, he shovel passed it instead. Three yards. That's it. And that's it. Ben, it's amazing. It's amazing the decisions that he has made. You know, you give him the chance at the beginning. You're like, hey, you know, maybe, maybe he's improved. Maybe. Oh, you give him the benefit of the doubt there. Oh, yeah, there too. And no, now it's just bad. The Jets' season is on the precipice of becoming irrelevant. A few hours from now, and you've got this guy ready to crash and burn that Jets, that 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 Jets team. It's amazing. And yet, Trevor Simeon is still on the practice squad, the best quarterback in that in that room, besides Aaron Rodgers, of course. The best able-bodied quarterback in that room is still on is on the practice squad. Uh, what are they trying to do? Avoid a quarterback controversy? It's here. It's already here. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. I'm Daniel McCartan. Pat Boyle update. Back with you at the top of the midnight hour here on the fan. Welcome back to The Fan in New York City. My name is Danielle McCartan. We are about to have a changing of the guard behind the glass. We say goodbye to Connor Green in his Jets green hoodie. And we say hello to Rami. Who do you got on? Is that the Knicks? I'm looking through two panes of glass with the lights in my face and a glare. Rami's got a Knicks hoodie on. So we've got all the bases covered here tonight. <laughs> um, with you till 3 a.m., of course. And um, in a not really kind of football kind of context here. Um, my dad and I's trip out to Vegas was very fun. <laughs> Neither of us won any money, though. Um, as you may know, uh, you know, if you're listening to the show, you know my family goes to Vegas a lot, a lot. Like, even when we were kids. Like, I think I think my first trip to Las Vegas, the first trip I, I remember was me wearing a Stone Cold Steve Austin T-shirt in the Red Rock Canyon, and I was probably sixth grade. But every time, every time I go to Vegas, I, which has been a lot, I, I like to do like something new. Like it, it was the Red Rock Canyon that went. My dad rented a, a convertible Mustang <laughs> and took us to the Red Rock Canyon when we were kids. We pulled over and put the the, the top up on the Mustang because it was too freaking hot. That was fun, I guess. Right then, uh, there was the one time. Me and my friend Christina, who lives out there, Christina and I, for you grammar police, um, we did a helicopter ride up and down the strip at night. That might have been my favorite thing to do. This time, last weekend, my dad and I tried a new thing. We tried that that high roller uh, Ferris wheel. The views from up there, 500 feet. It's just breathtaking. I mean, you can see the whole strip. You have uh, – the only thing, though, for me is is – when you, when you get to the apex of it, 500 feet up, straight up into the air, and then you start to go down, like, the other side of it, like, on a clock, that would be, like, you know, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock on the clock. You don't see where you're going. I got a little nervous, man. That's a little high up. Uh, I was like, Whoa, we're all right, right? 
<laughs> my dad said he sat down at one point because you walk around. It's a huge. It's like the size of the room I'm in now. It's probably like, I don't know, 20 feet by 20 feet. It's circular and you can just walk around. You go from window to window to window. You bounce around. Um, and they don't put a lot of people in the car with you. So that's good. There's a lot of space. But when we got to the top, I noticed my dad sat down. And when we got down, when we got off of it, he was like, yeah, I got a little scared when we went to the the, the top top. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I saw. I saw you sit down. But um, we also had this unobstructed view of the sphere up close pretty much. And we didn't go in it. There was a U2 concert in there. And I am not a U2 fan. Um, but my dad is. and But he got to go. My Him and my mom went a, a, a month ago in October to, was it the opening weekend of the U2 concert there? He got to see it. Good for him. I'm just going to have to wait until, you know, the, the NSYNC residency starts up there because I am convinced it's going to. When we left there, we took an Uber back to the hotel. It was like 9 o'clock at night, which was like 12 a.m. to us. We had been up since 3 or me. I, I set my alarm for 2.30 a.m. You know, those 6 o'clock flights in the morning, they, they sound like a good idea. They're really not. And, and I... Continue to punish yourself by doing them, right? But um, but we took the Uber back to our hotel around, like, uh, maybe it wasn't even 9 o'clock. Uh, we stand at Mandalay, Mandalay Bay, which still smells the same 20 years later. But the point of this is that none of us knew it when we jumped into the Uber. But the route that it took us back to Mandalay Bay was the Formula One track. I mean, we were on the track. It was lit up like daylight. There, there were bleachers to our right. Um, it, it was separated by by a chain link fence in in a, in a cement barricade all along the route. And we were able to see some of the turns. I don't know. It was fun. Like we videoed it. Even the driver was videoing it. Who cares? It was cool. Um, he actually slowed down a little bit, and then when he saw like, it, like how do I explain? It? Like he slowed down to put some space between hit us and the cars in front of us. And he just hit the gas. Like, I guess he was pretending he was racing. But I guess I could post that videos. I think, or maybe I did. I don't know. But it was pretty cool. Like, I don't know. It's just the, the crazy kinds of infrastructure that they have set up for this this race. It's kind of wild. And it, I was there. You know, I saw it being set up. And I just can't wait to watch it on, on TV. It's next week, right, I think. Um, but then we fast forward to game day. My dad Wore his early Christmas present, the authentic Lawrence Taylor jersey, the Super Bowl edition that I bought him. I wore my blue Manning. We met at Carl Banks. We met Otis Anderson. We met Plaxico Burris pregame. Then we walked over the bridge from Mandalay Bay with thousands of other people to get to the game. We had win field club access thanks to my friend, Misha Tate's husband. His name is Johnny. He's a fighter, too. And um, I don't know, it was just a fun day. And then after the game, I met my great friend, Christina, the Bills fan. She lives there. I mean, I just absolutely love her. And we hung out for a little bit, and it was so good to see her. And then on the way home, on the plane ride home, I don't watch the show, but I recognized her, even that I don't watch the show. We sat behind Captain Sandy from below deck, like right behind her, like the row behind her. And apparently BravoCon was going on that same weekend. And it's just, what a whirlwind 48 hours. Like, I am still tired. Like, does that mean I'm getting old? Like, I'm tired still. (laughs) I don't know. I I just, I can't wait to get back to Vegas. It's my second city. And and I wish I could have stayed there for the Jets game this week. But 
I bet if I did that, there would not be a job at my school waiting for me when I got back. So, unfortunately, I'm back here. But, hey, it was a fun time. And we always try to do that, me and my dad. We, we, ooh, my dad and I, we always try to go to one Giants away game every season. And we did. We started with the, uh, what did we start with? The, the SoFi Stadium. We saw Giants Chargers, I think it was two years ago. Last year, he was getting his retirement paperwork all in order, so we didn't do anything then. And then uh, this year, it was Vegas. And I already told him, it's too much for, for a weekend now. Because um, he's retired. He doesn't have to worry about going to work. So I think... Uh, I think next year we're going to have to do something a little closer. And I think we kind of settled on Nashville already. We'll see. Um, anyway, 877-337-6666. The Giants pretty much irrelevant at this point in time. And it's only November. Not even mid-November yet. And, uh, of course, the Jets playing for their season tomorrow. Again, in Sin City, Las Vegas. To the phones we go, 877-337-6666. Line one, we reset this here. Line one, we go to Philip in Jamaica, Queens. What's going on, Philip? Hello, thank you uh, for taking uh, my phone call. Always great talking sports with you. Agreed. Thanks for making the call. Thank you. I want to talk about the Jets. I want to make two points with the Jets. Mm -hmm. Number one, I don't understand why I know Zach Wilson is not a good quarterback. But why don't they play with his strength? What I'm saying is he could run with the ball. Why don't they make, and I know the offensive line doesn't help the situation, but why don't they make more running plays to Zach Wilson? Yeah. He, he, could, he could run with them all. Design runs, what, right? Yeah. He, he, he could run, and I, I just I don't notice them making plays where they would put Zach Wilson in a better situation. And my other question is, I don't think Zach Wilson has much of a future here. Would you draft a quarterback? Because it's the quarterback that's keeping the Jets down. Mm-hmm. You draft a quarterback in next year's draft because it's a good quarterback class. Is it though? Well, they have a stud from uh, USC. I don't yeah, get like yeah, quarterbacks from USC. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, let, let's go, Mark Sanchez uh, for five hundred, Alex, or I'll take uh, Sam Darnold for a thousand, Alex. Uh, no, I, I, I don't think it's that deep of a quarterback draft. I know you got Caleb Williams. I know you got May. Uh, but what's the guy's name? P- Pinnix. What's his name? I, I get it. I, I just don't think it's Phil, That's a good question. I, I just don't think it's as deep as people are saying it. And, and, and right now the Jets have the 16th overall pick in the draft. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers is, is expected to be back next year. What's going to make him better. What's going to push this team over to the top. See, that's, that's a future pick. The Jets need to pick for now, right now. They need an offensive lineman. At 16, that's a prime spot to pick an offensive lineman for the, if you're this Jets team. You can also look at a wide receiver. Uh, I love the kid from Ohio State, but he's not going to be there. He's the best wide receiver in the draft. But if he is, it's great. Marvin Harrison Jr., yes. The son of, yes. I mean, I've watched him. Kid's good. Kid is really good. NFL ready day one, you know. Uh, so, so I like him. But as far as the Jets taking a quarterback, no. The, the thing is... Which should have been the plan again, like like coming into this season. The Jets should have had a better, more serviceable backup than just Zach Wilson. Period. Stop. Done. So I don't know. It'd be it would be interesting to see who they can they could pick up and the quarterback carousel, of course, that the NFL is, but 
no, I would not be picking up a project at 16 if I were the New York Jets. Mm-mm. No, they, they're win now. You know, they're win now. And what's going to put this team over the top? Well, what has been the Achilles heel? No pun intended. I'm sorry if it's too soon, but what's been the Achilles heel of this team so far this season? Yeah, the quarterback, but that's a byproduct, in my opinion, of the offensive line. Now, Zach Wilson's no good. But I don't know if anybody could be excellent under those conditions. So, offensive linemen it is for me. I, I There's two that are excellent that I really, really like. As of now, you know, you like to see how they play in bowl games and stuff. But for me, pr- very pr- preliminarily, it's O-line for the Jets for me. Build it out the right way. Protect Aaron Rodgers. And uh, see if he can give you a, a Super Bowl in, in his final year, most likely, in the NFL. We go out to line two. Marty in Westchester. You're up next here on the fan, Marty. What's going on? Yes, good morning, Danielle. I guess it is morning now. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'd like to talk about the Giants situation. Just mentioned the Jets with the offensive line. Giants are in the same boat. I mean, all you need to know about the offensive line this year is that the Giants are down to their third quarterback. And I've been a Giant fan for a long, long time. I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm-hmm. And this season has been as ugly as it gets because – you, when you consider, if it wasn't for that offensive explosion against the Cardinals in yeah. Week Two, yeah. Giants would be acting in single digits offensively, yeah. which is, which is an absolute disgrace. And you know, I feel really bad for uh, uh, Daniel Jones because I think it was two years ago when John Maris said we've done everything in our power to screw this young man's career. Yep. Last year was a lot better. This year has been a regression. Poor guy running for his life. It was inevitable he was going to get hurt. And he comes back uh, last week, and they call a quarterback sneak coming back from a neck injury. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, I don't know what to say. Yep. It's just been a total disaster. Um, as far as tomorrow is concerned, I mean, the only way I could see this game being somewhat competitive is if, if the defense comes out playing like they did uh, the three previous weeks uh, yeah, not uh, Vegas. prior to last week against yeah. the Raiders. and. Yeah. I just see this team wearing down in the second half, and I think the Cowboys will subsequently cover the spread. Um, I, I think the game is going to be an utter blowout. I, I don't think even I don't even think a seventeen and a half point spread. I, it should be wider, in my, in my opinion. So yeah, I agree with you there. Yeah, I'm just trying to be as, as, as positive as I can, which I is really impossible. Mm-hmm. But. Um, uh, Saquon Barkley, I mean, the beginning of the game, he could be a factor. But once they're down 14 points, That's he's it. not a factor. Right, because you can't run the ball if you're down 14 points. That's going to be the problem right. for the Giants. If they put the game on the arm of, of DeVito, game's over, man. It, it is. It's just over. Yeah. And then Cowboy defensive line will just tee you up on that offensive line. It's going to get ugly again. It's going to get ugly. You, it's yep. going to be bad. To the point where, you know what, I actually checked to to make sure that they did, in fact, elevate Barkley, which they did, uh, the quarterback Barkley, which they did, mm-hmm. just in case. You know, like this, this Max Crosby is somewhere right now sleeping in Las Vegas, in the Vegas Valley with a grin on his face, knowing mm-hmm. he's about mm-hmm. to feast against this Giants offensive line. Yeah, I mean, no matter who the quarterback is, I yeah. mean, they're fighting a losing battle. Whoever, yep. whoever you put behind center, behind this, uh, this uh, OL, it, it's just bad. It is bad, right? Marty, you nailed it. And thanks for the call there. Yeah, it, it's miserably bad, and and unfortunately for Daniel Jones, this is probably the end of his Giants tenure. Unfortunately for him, circumstances well beyond his control. 
will end his season, end his career in, in, in Giants blue. It's amazing. And it's like, do they even draft a quarterback? Because it's going to be the same cycle all over again. Like, part of me is like, no, pick an offensive lineman and, uh, and, and let, the, let him cook. Let him improve. Because the way this is going, it's terrible, man. It's, it's terrible. We go to Kevin and Kate May. There we go. Kevin, what's going on? Hey, Danielle, what's going on? Uh, first, I want to say, you know, a thanks to all the veterans out there. I yes. mean, if it wasn't for them, we couldn't be having this conversation right now. That's right. But, uh, you know, I want to switch topics. I know it's Giants, Jets, and we both, I'm a Giants fan, and, you know, that's a whole nother conversation. But I think this, you know, college football, you know, ordeal with Harbaugh, you know, as a Michigan graduate, mm-hmm. graduated in 2000, it's, it's, it's hurting the entire college football nation, you know. They go out there today. Everybody was down on them. You know, okay, they're not going to win. They don't have their head coach. He's suspended. You know, that whole debacle with the courts. And yet Michigan shows up on the field. The kids show up. They play for a gym. And they beat Penn State. That wasn't supposed to happen in Happy Valley. And Mm -hmm. they did it. And yet ESPN goes out and mocks Jerome Moore, who's, you know, the interim head coach yeah. for the game today. I saw that. For crying. Like, that, that, that is... The mockery me, of that, I, I don't, I don't, I didn't see that. I, I just, but I did see the interview, and, and I actually got teary-eyed watching that interview. I really did. And then they brought in the kid who had the, the blood coming down his face. I mean, it, it was, a, it was, cool. it was an emotional win for them. It, it was huge, because they didn't have their, their coach on the sideline, yeah. and yet they went out and said this win was for him. Yep. And yet ESPN goes out there, and they laugh about it. Oh, you know, Michigan obviously is soft, because look at their, their interim coaches crying on the sidelines. Oh, it was like they won I'm the try, national I'm trying to find that. Where was it, on Twitter? Yeah, it was, uh, I, I want to say it was, I think McAfee actually said it, put McAfee. it on Twitter. Let's see. McAfee, because I, I just want to make sure we get this right, you know, because some people, you know. Yeah, uh, I know. Let's see, let's see. I'm he, not he, he, it. Congrat- he congratulated Michigan on the win, but said that the, the emotions were a little over the top. Or Stop. Something to that over the thing. top. Come on. That's ridiculous. But, I, listen, it, it, Kevin, thanks for the call. It was an emotional win for the team. It, you know, and in those in those moments, as soon as the, the, the clock strikes zero 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 at the end of a game, I mean, that's an emotional time for them. You can't mock a guy for that if that's, in fact, what happened. I'll try to look on the break. We've got, got to hit a break coming up here, but, I mean, no way. I, I watched that interview replayed, you know, in the post games, whatever game I had on TV while I was preparing all day for this. Um, I said, I stopped. And I, whatever I was doing, I looked up, I watched it, and I was like, man, this guy gets it. This guy gets it. I would like to play for him. Anyway, I, I, on the record, um, I, I am a Daniel Jones supporter, and the New York Giants, it's just like you scratch your head and you say, where did it go so wrong? <laughs> Honestly, I don't mean to laugh, but it's just how did it go from a round one playoff victory on the road to this? 
Um, I'm Daniel McCartan, and unfortunately, this looks to be the end of the Daniel Jones era here in New York. 877-337-6666. Well, this is a fitting song, eh, Rami, because I was just saying, uh, this is a no scrubs. Uh, by the way, I'm Daniel McCartan. Uh, Rami Lavi's taking your, your calls behind the glass here. And, and this is uh, TLC's no scrubs. And not that I'm calling... DeVito a scrub by any means, but he is third string quarterback. And as I'm set to talk about Daniel Jones and his tenure here, keep it in perspective here a little bit. So uh, just a little fitting song there. But listen, I, I think you know this already. I love Daniel Jones. I think he's everything you could look for and ask for in a quarterback. I think he checks all the boxes. But being in Vegas, watching him hit the deck with that non-contact injury with my own eyes, I just I couldn't help but sit there in that Allegiant beautiful Allegiant Stadium and just think that it could be the end of his his you know to borrow a term from my teaching career you know his real tenure track position here in New York and as we you know we know it now it's a torn ACL in the right knee he finished 2023 with a myriad of injuries and a grand total of two touchdowns and six interceptions in six games. And, you know, it's just the whole circumstance. It's unfortunate, if you ask me. I mean, he's been hit with every form of adversity imaginable. And this offensive line has just been so piss poor in front of him that he's on a more accelerated path than Andrew Luck in terms of, you know, being forced to hit the deck. And we all know how Andrew Luck's career ended. So... The Giants are, are, are just just met with so much more uncertainty this offseason than anyone over there ever expected. And I can guarantee you that. 877-337-6666. Um, you know, it's some, um, do you go and pick a quarterback? Have you lost faith in the, in the head coach? What about the, the general manager and his ability to pick offensive linemen? Like, there are so many more questions now than, than I believe, than before the Giants even entered this season. Coming off a road playoff victory, coming off Brian Dable's Coach of the Year selection. I mean, look at where the Giants started and look at where they are. There's a stark contrast. We go up to, um, oh, wow, the lines are jammed. Let's go to Alex in New Haven, Connecticut. What's going on, Alex? I major in ultrasound, but I have a poem for Brian Dable. Brian Dable, you're not able to coach the team. Every time I watch you coach, I want to scream. I'm done with you. I want you to lose so we can get a good draft pick. I'm done with Dable. You're McAdoo 2.0. You make me sick. It Was that iamic pentameter, Mr. Shakespeare? Uh, yeah, I, I, I tried. I was trying to. I'm mad, okay? I'm sick of him. He's McAdoo 2.0. He had a good first season, and now we're seeing he's a clown. Huh. You're mad, huh? That that poem was very pleasant, though, I'd have to say. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. You didn't, but, but you didn't convey the, the anger in it, you know? Did I seem happy? You did. I'm you, not see, happy. you seemed a little happy. I'm sorry you did in the poem. I'm not happy. I'm watching the games. This I, I work at Amazon. And I try to sneak off to the break room and watch the games. I don't even want it anymore. There's no point. We're out. We're out of the we're out of the wild card race at this point. Yeah, the Giants are out of everything. That's for sure. Yes. Um. 
So my my point is, you're going to laugh at me when I say this. Can we get Belichick somehow? Mm, I don't. I, I don't think Bill Belichick is is going to. You know, put his pads on and get out there and play offensive linemen. Uh, well, he can't. No, he can't do that. Obviously, but can can he coach the team next year? Uh, but, but do you have uh, your poem was great? But but what specific instances do we have about Brian Dable? Because my, my my confidence hasn't maybe really fluctuated in him at all. What what are we doing this year? But but you, <laughs> I'm trying to understand. What are some specific instances that you have lost faith in Brian Dable? We lose to bad teams. You understand that Brian Dable doesn't play, right? Well, what's he, what, uh, we're supposed to win, right? You're <laughs> you're a Daniel Jones person? Yes, I am. Oh, God. I'd rather have DeVito. Oh, God, Alex. And, and you, I, I, then you, there's no saving you, Alex. And so stop sp- going off to the break room at work. Don't get in trouble. Oh. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, really. Really. So you want Daniel Jones to be the quarterback for the future? Daniel Jones has all of the characteristics of a quarterback oh. that you'd be looking for. Yeah, he's terrible. So you want to go forward with Daniel Jones? One more season, at least. Yes. Oh God, no. Kirk Cousins is a free agent next season. Can we sign him? <laughs> no. No? Why? Do you like that there, Alex? Because you're on the hook for oh, so much money with Daniel Jones. The Giants are in cap hell as it is. Oh, my God. The poem was was not good. It wasn't good, Alex. You sounded happy. <laughs> you sounded happy. It, it, it rhymed nice. The first four ry- lines rhymed nice. Nicely, I'll use it as an adverb here because I'm critiquing your your poem here. But uh, no, the poem was too happy. Nobody can save this Giants team behind that offensive line. Nobody. I don't care if you resurrect whoever. from John Madden from his grave, rest in peace, John Madden. He is not saving this Giants offense. He's just not. No matter how many poems you write, no matter how many times you sneak off into the break room, it's just not happening. Run. In uh, the state of Georgia, what's going on, Ron? Hey, Danielle, how you doing? I'm great. How are you? Good, good. Hey, look, I'm I'm with you. I'm a Daniel Jones guy, and I I would like to see him come back uh, next year, and and just for one more curtain call. Yep. Um, with with an offensive and line. Is, and absolutely with, with an offensive line. My thing is that uh, my wife and I went out to uh, Vegas, and we got a chance to to see that beautiful stadium and walk the strip and everything and and what a beautiful stadium that I is. was there too yeah for the giant game yes yes yep. we uh we sat up there in section 333 and it was just they got a lot going on there you know Rick Ross was I know was that ha- that was at a, such a surprise that was fun my dad's like I don't even know who that is I was like this is great <laughs> yes yes uh you know baby face singing the national anthem they got a lot of stuff going on there but my thing is like during the game Saquon Barkley was averaging almost six yards a carry. Why did they go away from the run? I don't know. Why did they just why did they just keep running? I don't know. And I think they would have. I think they would have found something there. Yep, I agree. It, it, it was a good game plan, and they aborted it. I don't know why. I guess they were listening to the last caller, Alex, and talk about uh, you know uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Dable. Yeah, Dable. Yeah, 
Yeah, well, you know, I want Dable to stay. Uh, he's not going anywhere, obviously, but, you know, he's a good coach. He's just having a bad year. And I think between Dable and Joe Shane, we're going to be back to um, being ourselves again. That's just my opinion. Yeah, Ron, I, I agree with you on that. And thanks for the call all the way down from Georgia on the Odyssey app. I, I agree with you. I mean, look, nobody, not even John Madden himself, would be able to get anything out of this team, this offense, with that offensive line. It's just, it's really terrible. It's makeshift. I mean, Evan Neal's on roller skates, ice skates, push and get push back. I mean, X, Y, Z. Right, and good quarterbacks overcome and transcend. I get it. But the offensive line is the reason why Daniel Jones is hurt. Guy runs for his life every single game. I mean, there's no way DeVito's sleeping tonight with, with Max. Uh, no, I'm sorry. With, um, with um, Micah Parsons. I don't say Max Crosby. That's the Jets. But there's no way DeVito's sleeping tonight in his bed in his own house with his mom, tucked him in at night in the nice sheets, nice and tight, with with um, Michael Parsons on his mind. Of course, it's an away game. I understand that. But I'm just making making a joke out of it. But there's no way. Michael Parsons is a game wrecker. The, it, the Giants are going to have a really tough time tomorrow. Really, really tough time. Unfortunately. And he's going to have a tough time tomorrow. Unfortunately. You want to try to run the, game, the ball against the Cowboys? You can't. They they only allow three and a half yards per rush. Their third best run defense in the league. It's, it's not going to happen. Fall behind early, you're in trouble. Let's go to, uh, yeah, we got time for Mario in Long Beach. What's going on, Mario? Ciao. Ciao, ciao. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Okay, you remember me, huh? Yeah, of course. Uh, okay, so two things. Quickly, about the Giants, uh, I understand what you're saying about Daniel Jones, but the problem is, is right now if the Giants drafted, they would draft number four. Third. They could they could three. pick up one of those. No, is it three? I thought it was four. But, but they could pick up one of those two top quarterbacks, either Caleb Johnson or Drake May. Yeah. You can't you, you can't walk away from that because if yes. you walk away from that and Jones doesn't work, and then you you don't play so bad, you you might not get in that position again to get. Yeah, a quarterback you're in like the that. the mediocrity limbo purgatory kind of draft area. Yeah, yeah. And, and even though I like Jones, there were there were still some questions this year. He started to even when he wasn't being rushed. If you remember, he regressed a little bit. He he threw a pick six. He started with the fumbling a little bit. I saw the fumbling, little, yep. Yeah, so there was a little questions there. So I'm, so you might want to, you know, you have to rethink that. If I you, know, if you right. One of those. Yeah, and, and the Giants are picking third. If the season ends today, the Giants are picking third. And, and there's no guarantee, like we were just saying, there's no guarantee that, that they're going to be able to pick this high again the year after next. I exactly. agree with you. Yes. Exactly. So my point on the Jets is this. Uh, I agree with what you said 100%. You know, you really do your homework. You know what you're talking about. Thank you. Uh, I see you maybe being midday one day. Oh, man, I, I hope so. No no more teaching if you got midday, huh? Yeah, no more teaching. <laughs> no more teaching if I'm in the midday, no. <laughs> but anyway, so... Uh, I'm blessed so- to have two passions in life, and uh, I've I've done the one that this is now my year 14 in, in the other one, so... Exactly. So this is what I think with the Jets. They should have picked somebody, like you said, a backup, so they had him, but they don't. Yep. So let's let's try to do what we can do with this guy. Because going for, for one of the backups won't work. Simeon is a complete statue. He can't even move. The Jets' offensive line is not that much better than the Giants' offensive line, by the way. Oh, yes. So we both have the same problem. Mm-hmm. This guy gets sacked a million times. So what have we seen that sometimes... Um, Sometimes that Zach Wilson does well. If he goes into a hurry-up, 
and he doesn't have to think. He's been playing a little bit better. Yes, they yes. should do some maybe hurry-up offenses where totally they have a agree. couple of series where they go hurry-up. Also, let him roll out a couple of times. Yep. You know, I, I totally agree. And also, too, Mario, what happens there, and thanks for the call, what happens when you, you do the hurry up is that you don't allow the, the, the other the, the defense to change out and switch out their personnel to, to their liking. They're stuck on the field with what they have um, if, if you do it the right way. So I agree with you. When, when it's almost like sometimes when you, do, when you do things and it's just automatic, it's muscle memory, you don't have to think about it, it sometimes works out better. That's got to be the game plan moving forward. He does tend to do better in those situations. No thinking, just doing. But is that like a wing and a prayer? <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. I will continue with our Jets-Giants talk. It's been uh, t- quarterbacks have been the talk of the town, of course. Daniel Jones going down with the uh, the AC the ACL injury. It's uh, Tommy, the big blue DeVito Guido, his turn coming up as his first career start. And, of course, uh, Zach Wilson needs to be relegated to the bench. Trevor Simeon needs to be elevated. Uh, it, Boyle, is he the answer? Probably not. It's just a big mess, and we're here to unravel it, hopefully, or just complain about it. I'm Daniel McCartan with you on The Fan. the fan. My name is Danielle McCartan with you till 3 a.m. We are rolling along with full phone lines so far the entire night. So if you can't get through, you can tweet me at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Good ones get read on air, of course. Also, Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan and uh, at Coach McCartan also on Instagram. There we go. Rami Lobby behind the glass there, taking your calls, 877-337-6666. It's been a uh, big quarterback debate here so far tonight. A lot of people complaining. Quarterback play is just not good here in New York, and um, it's it's the key, obviously. It's essential to having a successful season, and that, of course, implies that the Jets and Giants are not. Now, the Jets are playing for their season tomorrow in Vegas, and that is no exaggeration. they got the Bills and Dolphins following that. Yeah, that'll be hard to come back from if they lose in Vegas. Now the Giants, they're just they're just playing for their pride at this point, I think, against the Dallas Cowboys. And I hate to do this. I hate to pick against our New York teams, but I'm still in a survivor pool. And I picked the Cowboys. I'm sorry. I, I, I am. I'm sorry. But I think it was a smart pick. Seventeen and a half point spread. The biggest spread, I think, that I've seen of the year that I've seen, that I can remember seeing. So, yeah, it's uh, it's just another one of those seasons, everybody. 877-337-6666 in the order that you called. Let's go to uh, to line three. Billy and Wontog, what's going on? Hey, Danielle. How are you tonight? Uh, you know, all right. How are you? First of all, don't hate the survivor pool pick. I know. Love it, actually. I know. I hate picking against our teams, though. I know, but I'm here to talk about the Jets tonight, actually. Okay. So, my theory is this. I'm watching football on Sunday, right? Mm -hmm. Any other team besides the Jets and the Giants are moving the ball down the field. Looks easy, doesn't it? Right. (laughs) The Jets and the Giants can't get a first down. I know. And it's horrible. Now, here's my thought, right? You You got Tom Brady, right? And Colin Kaepernick. I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about their on-field play. What do they have in common? 
They're both unemployed. They all, both of them, well, yes. But <laughs> both of them stepped in for somebody, and they turned out to be great. Right? Uh, who, I wouldn't use Kaepernick and Brady in the same sentence in terms of no, uh, no, greatness. No, no, correct, correct. You're right. I'm, I'm not comparing their their uh, careers. I'm turning, um, I guess you would say, when they when they did step in, they turned out to be good. Both of them. Now, who's to say Zach Wilson, he's hard, like doing pretty bad. What We give Tim Boyle a shot. And guess what? He turns out to start playing well, you know? I don't. I mean, if Tim and Boyle, again, if Tim Boyle again, was great, saying, but listen, if I'm Tim Boyle was great, Tim, he'd have more than 106 career well, passes in four years. But here's the thing. I'm not saying Tim Boyle is going to be the next Tom Brady. Right, but but, but wouldn't saying. he have found on the three teams? He, I understand maybe not getting enough reps in, in Green Bay, sitting behind Aaron Rodgers. But D- D- Detroit lasted a season. Chicago, he lasted one season. I mean, the guy is like uh, what's his name, Ryan Fitzpatrick, all over again. He's a he's a journeyman quarterback. So no, uh, Tim Boyle. Listen, I hear you, and anything can happen. I, I don't want to ever put a cap on somebody's ability, but I mean, listen. You, you lost me when you started to compare Colin Kaepernick's talent to Tom Brady's talent in the same sentence. What do they both have in common? Yeah, they're both no longer NFL quarterbacks. That's it. That's it. So, no, that that's where you lost me. Tim Boyle, I don't want to give him a shot. I, I, I don't want to give him a shot. <laughs> because the body of work that he's put together so far... Hasn't been good. In fact, it's been pretty much worse than Zach Wilson. So he brought him in because he knows the system. Oh, great. He knows the system. Is he supposed to be teaching it to Zach Wilson? Because that's not happening. Is he going to get in a game and do what? He'll If he gets in a game at halftime, he'll look all right. You want to know why? Because there's no tape on him. Because he doesn't play. 106 career passing attempts. He started three games in his career. No. No, no, and no. Greg in Morristown, New Jersey. What's going on, Greg? Danielle, late night. How are you? <laughs> yes, you're right. I'm great. How are you? Good. Listen, I'm a, um, a miserable Cleveland Brown fan that just wants to give a little advice. I'm going to try to be a healer for these giant fans. Especially that guy with the poem, which I almost drove off the road. It was so bad. <laughs> um, but listen... <laughs> Here's the thing. You cannot, if the Giants end up high enough in the draft pick to get one of those top two guys, that's fine. If they don't or the Jets don't, you cannot chase quarterbacks. Right. You cannot chase quarterbacks. Listen, Deshaun Kaiser, Brandon Whedon, Brady Quinn, need I go on? The Browns kept doing it over and over again. And the other thing is, can't keep firing coaches and uh, GM. Right. Dable is fine. Yep. These guys get rid of Dable. The New York fan is so dumb. No, the best way to be the Cleveland Browns and to be irrelevant is to change your GM, your coach, and your quarterback every two years. Just stay, stay crappy. It's over. It's over. They can't do it, these two teams. And I have no stake in it, but anyone who says you want to do that, it's just it's the recipe for disaster. Go get talent. Get talent. Even if you go Daniel Jones, who I don't know whether he's good or not, but go get him that uh, that wide receiver if that's where you end up. Go, don't chase Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> when you know they're not good just because it's a quarterback. Yeah. So, I mean, how many times do we have to watch this? The other thing, and this is off topic, 
I don't know how you do it at night. I'm 51 years old. I just went to play poker with some buddies, a guy that hired me years ago. I'm exhausted. I'm driving home. Can't do it. Got to be in bed by 10. Can't do it. Can't do what you people do anymore. It's over. I'm exhausted. Cannot wait to get home. Cannot wait to get home. All right. Well, I'm glad I'm keeping, you, one, Danielle. I'm glad I'm keeping you company on your way there, Greg. Appreciate the call. Uh, you sound wide awake to me. Uh, I don't know. But you sound wide awake to me. That, well, that's great. But you're right about that. You you can't keep chasing quarterback just because you, you have a quarterback on your roster. His name is Daniel Jones. He just signed a four-year deal. And I understand there's an out after the 2024 season. I get it. But there's quarterbacks in every draft. There are. And if you really love a guy, you put a package together and you go up and get him. Because no matter who you put behind that line, no matter who it is, they're not going to succeed. So until you can fortify the line and build outward, you know, build today while planning for the future, whatever that expression was, that's when you're going to find success. I think of Patrick Mahomes when he first started. He, he was like, you know, he sat. Of course he sat. And then when he was inserted into, to, into that offense, he was the final piece. It was already set up for him. That's the situation the next quarterback, the next new quarterback that the Giants needs to needs to step into. The Giants need to fortify the line, then pivot accordingly. Let's go to line four, Brody in Waterbury, Connecticut. What's going on, Brody? Hey, Danielle. Uh, so I, I just wanted to bring to your attention. So next year will be Daniel Jones' seventh NFL season. Mm-hmm. At what point do we say, okay, Maybe it's not the line. Maybe it's not the coaching staff. Maybe he's just the flashes that we see are the anomaly, and he's more average to below average. Because seven years, you haven't seen enough, in my opinion, to pass on a top quarterback. Well, the thing is, and, and, and it's a good point by you bringing up the seven years, right? And, and But in that time frame, the Giants have had how many different head coaches? How many different offensive coordinators? How many different combinations of linemen? How many different non-weapons, you know, pass catchers for the guy? I mean, give the guy two years to get into a system, three years, four years in a system. Well, I hear you. He's had bad luck. But let's say he gets two more years, which would be three years in the same system. Yes. That's his 10th that's his year in the NFL. Which is kind At of crazy. Point, at some point, I'm I'm ready to say, you know, sorry, <laughs> like you got bad. You, either you're unlucky or you just don't have it. But we can't wait until year ten or twelve or fifteen for him to to be a Super Bowl winning quarterback. I, I but I think you but I think your math is off by two years though because he started in 2019, 20, 21, 22, 23. Those are the, his active years. That's only five. It's not seven. I thought it was 2017. 19. I could be wrong there. Yeah, 19 is his first active, first pass thrown was in 2019. Gotcha. Yeah, so so next year would be five or year five or six. But, I mean, still, I, I think it's, it's hard to say because he hasn't had a lot around him and he hasn't had the greatest luck. He wasn't thrown into a good situation mm-hmm. like Pat Mahomes in Kansas City. But I, I haven't seen enough wow from him to say, you know what, Caleb Williams, I'm going to get an offensive lineman for Daniel Jones instead of drafting you. 
You know what I mean? Yes, exactly. Th- th- yes, Brody, that, that is actually one track and one train that the Giants can go in. And honestly, that's at this point in time, week 10, the regular season's still going on, but that's kind of the way I'm leaning. It is. Call me crazy, maybe. Uh, that's fine. But that's kind of the way I'm leaning at this juncture. Let's wait for the bowl season to happen and, and, and all that. But right now, that's kind of the way I'm leaning. And just to be to be very clear, um, this is Daniel Jones's fifth season. This season is Daniel Jones's fifth season in the league. One, two, three, four, five. That's right. Okay. Quick break. We've got a Pat Boyle update. My name is Daniel McCartney with you till three here on the show. One oh three in the morning. My name is Daniel McCartan hanging with for another two hours with you. Um, it's been a very, very busy, bustling night. A lot of people complaining about uh, the quarterback situation for the New York Yankees. I mean, for, for the New York Giants and the New York Jets. Sorry, I was, I was reading something here. Uh, the breaking news of that happened 40 minutes ago of the UFC fights UFC 295 at the Garden. If you were there, I want to hear from you. I've got uh, Pete Hoffman doing a live call in uh, just at 120 because he uh, obviously is the resident w- WFAN UFC fanatic. So, of course, he's watching the fights and, and we'll do a live call in with him in momentarily in the next couple minutes. I'm sorry, but that's what I was reading. But it's been a lot of complaining about the football teams and, you know, I- I'm a solution-based person I mean, and for the Jets, for me, it's right. The objective is to tread water until Rodgers comes back, right? And he's showing you he's he's working his butt off. He's throwing fifty yard bombs before games, and you're seeing it. But the the only way to do that, it, it, to make sure that the Jets are still treading water by the time he is ready to come back, it's got to be to bench Zach Wilson. I'm sorry, Trevor Simeon. Where are you? Practice squad? What? All right, anyway, 877-337-6666. And for the record, I still think Daniel Jones, uh, he's got a bad shake. Give him a better situation. You'll see how good he can be. Put him in San Francisco, and you will see what Daniel Jones could be. I mean, look what Brock Purdy is out there. System-based. Let's go out to uh, Pennsylvania. We go to JJ. What's going on, JJ? Yeah, I just want to bring in the Nets a little bit. Nets Um, basketball? Yes. Okay. You don't mind. Um, yeah, Cam Thomas. I don't know. He's good, but when you when when you bring him in, he never they never won a game when he when he scores thirty points or more. Really? You fact checked that? Yeah, they did it once, but no, even I I don't know. I think they never won a game. I'd have to look into that and go game by game with a fine tooth comb. But okay. Yeah, about the Mets. They're, they're a good team. Steve Cohen spends a lot of money, but they never get it straight. I don't know. Well, they they they, they had a failure of a general manager is what they did. And JJ, thanks for the call. The Mets and, and Billy and Epler had two objectives going into last season. Bolster the bullpen, find a designated hitter. I laid out all the options, <laughs> some of anyway, that I researched. I mean... J.D. Martinez being the biggest one. Did you see what he did last season? Did you see it? J.D. Martinez finished the year with the Dodgers. He hit 271 with 33 home runs. 
I mean, that's the production the Mets were missing from the designated hitter. Instead, they've got good old Danny Vogelback, and they trotted him out there every single day. It's just embarrassing. So the problem with the Mets was before the season even started. And they're still deciding on his future. Daniel Vogelback, by the way. How are you still deciding? He was terrible. Get rid of him. So, uh, generally speaking, the Mets had two objectives in the offseason. Billy and Epler had two objectives to hit last winter. Did not hit them. And the Mets were behind the eight ball before Edwin Diaz even went down with the injury in the World Baseball Classic. So, yeah, they've got an owner that wants to spend the money, but you got a you got a general manager that just doesn't know how to do it, clearly. Or make a trade, for example. I mean, look at the guys that he brought in. Oh, ugh. Darren Ruff, is he even in the league anymore? I mean, just go down the list. I, I don't have to do it, but you, you know what I'm talking about. You don't have to go I don't have to go down the list. You know it. I mean, but I cannot believe that the Mets are still contemplating the future of Daniel Vogelback in Queens. That, to me, is like mind-blowing. Amazing. All right, let's go to Dan in Staten Island. What's going on, Dan? Hey, Danielle, what's going on? Hey, no, welcome to... Oh, yeah, we had to dump you on that one. Dan, I'm so sorry. Sorry about that. We've, uh, We've got... A word that you used, and it's uh, not permissible on air. Sorry, um, but it was it was uh, it was regarding the poem of the one caller, and he, he called it terrible, but in different words that we can't air. Um, unfortunately, you, you didn't even get to, to make the point there. But but Dan, are, are you are you there? Yes, yes. All right, I'm, we're going to give you Rami. Yeah, we 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 had a dump. You said a curse word on air, but Rami. I'm ready. To, I was ready to cut you. Rami was like, "Give him a second chance. Ask him if he's there." And I was like, "All right, are you there?" And you're I, here. So keep yeah, it clean, please, my, or else I'm really going to cut you. Pop, I am so sorry. Um, but that the first off, that poem was so bad. Oh my goodness! And then the <laughs> other guy with his horrendous math about Daniel Jones' years and yes, the week. that's right. Mind numbing, wasn't it? I. I work for the DOE. You know, I'm a paraprofessional, so I I have to know my math, right? Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> what? All right, let me ask you: what what uh, scaffolds would you put in place so that he gets it right next time? There, Dan. Oh man, you know what? I think you just got to look up the draft year because <laughs> clearly he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, I, I, I would give him a visual representation to go along with the conversation next time. A, a graph, if you will. Quite, quite literally. But um, listen. I've been I've been trying my best to support Daniel Jones through all of this, you know, because really, I've I've watched every game because I do I do a podcast for the Giants, so I got to watch every game full on detail. And truthfully, I've only seen one bad game from Daniel Jones this season, yeah, and that was the Seattle game. Every other game, how can you blame it on him? Yeah, I you know. know the Dallas game that was just a complete. Blank show. I can't say the word. Um, <laughs> Thanks for bleeping yourself and, out there. Here we go, you know. Um, and then the <laughs> Niner game, everything went wrong that game for him, for that offense. Everyone was dropping passes. Um, the defense, they were keeping them in the game, but then the offense just couldn't do anything. 
And then every other game, it it was it was not Daniel Jones. All right, so that's why I personally feel in this off season, if they can target getting that offensive line better in the off season, yep. whether it's through free agency or in the draft, that's the big concern. And then number two, if they can get him a wide receiver, not saying that they don't have it, but you know we're not we we've seen some stuff from Jalen Hyatt, but it's only deep balls. We've seen some stuff from Wando. I, I love Wando a lot, actually. I slept on him this offseason just because of the torn ACL. But listen, I got to give him credit. He's been playing pretty solid when he gets the ball. But this is my big thing, right? If we're in the top three, which we are right now, we have the third overall pick. If we take Marvin Harrison... Yeah, I will go insane. Well, the thing is, and and that's a luxury, right? That that's a luxury pick, though, Dan. And thanks for the call. I appreciate keeping it clean the second time around. But but Marvin Harrison Jr. He he's a luxury pick. The reason why Jalen Hyatt hasn't been the game changer that you expected him and everybody expected him to be is because yes, his routes everybody knew it. They're downfield. What do you need to to be able to hit a receiver downfield? Well, you need time in the pocket. So when you look at the offensive linemen that, that are available and would be available to the Giants, you've got a guy, uh, I, I hope I'm saying this right, Fashanu, F- Fasanu from Penn State. The guy's a stud. You got a guy named Joe Alt from Notre Dame, also a stud. Like you start building it out that way, that's it. Then you can go ahead and get yourself the Marvin Harrison Juniors. But until then, uh, it's, it's, um, uh, it, it's it's a lost cause, I think. It, it's it's you don't have the time as a quarterback in the pocket to be able to do that when you've got an offensive line. I mean, we're ta- we're not talking about like the Jets have guys like like Elijah Vera Tucker. He's just unfortunately injured. You know what I'm saying? Like the Giants don't have guys that they can ever fall back on. That's the difference between the two offensive lines. So for me, oh yeah, you kidding me? I Ohio State wide receiver. He would be amazing. But you have to look a little bit, I guess, at the bigger picture in a way. You have to go out and get yourself an offensive lineman and, and, and let him be there for the next 10 years. You know, I haven't done my, my draft workup yet. I mean, we're still in a regular season. We're talking about the draft. How sad is that? What a sad state of affairs. But once I do it, I will have recommendations, and, and we'll go from there. But these two guys... Guy from Penn State, guy from Notre Dame, take a look at him. If those games are on our TV, regular cable, whatever, take a look at him. Fashanu, F-A-S-H-A-N-U, and then, this is easy, Joe is his first name, Alt is his last name. 877-337-6666, that's the direction I think the Giants should go in. Yes, shiny toy would be nice, but, but you got two of them. And you can't get to the ball to either get the ball to either of them. In the order that you called, we go to Eric in my neck of the woods, Rivervale, New Jersey. What's going on, Eric? Danielle, good morning. How are you? Great. How are you? Very good, thank you. Great show as always. Thank and you. Uh, well, it's always funny this time of the uh, well, the morning. Some of the calls are, are quite interesting, and that poem was, oh, woof. But anyway, I called. Um, I, I mean, I think you know the. The perfect example of why you don't take Marvin Harrison is in the same building. I mean, look at Garrett Wilson, right? I mean, if you don't have an offensive line and you don't have a, a, a guy to throw the ball to him, it doesn't really matter much. So I couldn't agree with you more as far as the Giants go with, with uh, I mean, Daniel Jones, you got to stick with him and build the offensive line. But, 
you know, I called to really talk more about the Jets and mm-hmm. uh, as, a, as a tortured Jets fan, I, I just, it's a very, very confounding team. And it starts really with Joe Douglas because I find him to be probably the most conflicting executive in all the NFL because, you know, you, you could argue he, he's put together the probably the best draft that the Jets have had in their entire history yet missed on Zach Wilson. And, yeah. and I don't know what is, is, is you know, I, I've tried very, very hard to stick with Zach. I really have. And, yep. you know, maybe that's hope. Maybe that's lunacy. I, you know, I don't know. But, um, you know, you look at some of the numbers. I mean, they're 31st in the NFL in offense. Yep. Zero points on opening drives, which is almost like by accident you would think that would uh, you happen. Know, and those are the best pl- – you have you have those plays scripted, down pat, rehearsed, practice them right. on the plane with the – you know, but unfortunately they it, haven't scored. I, I don't understand that. That's mind-numbing. But what's worse is that you look at their third-down conversion rate, it's the worst in the league. Yep. But it's not even that. It's, it's the worst in 50 years. I mean – it's, un- it's like it's historically bad. Yep. You know, and then we've got five passing TDs on the entire season, which again, you would think just by accident, it would eventually happen. So, it, you know, if it's not for Brees Hall breaking touchdowns right. or the defense turning the ball over two to three, four times a game, right. the Jets are going to lose, which is obviously untenable. And, and that's where we are. So that's why, you know, you could argue we could be you know, six and two. You could argue that we could be two and six and here we are sitting at, you know, at four and four. So we could basically, you know, compete and play with anybody in the league. If, if things go our way, our defense does what they do. Special teams does what they do. But we can also lose to anybody in the league, and that's where we are. So I'm really struggling with it, and, and I don't think it falls on Joe Douglas. I don't know if it's Woody Johnson, you know, that's really pushing to have Zach out there. It's Mike, that's the only thing that seems to make sense because everything I, I heard from Salah this week, yeah. it's not him. Yeah, It is definitely not him, and, and I know he's concerned about losing that locker room, because you've got guys in there, and these these aren't just, you know, one of the mill type guys. I mean, these are dogs. These are players. That defense is legit. And eventually, if Zach keeps doing what he's doing, and that offense keeps looking the way it does, I, I just don't know, like, it can it all fall on Zach? Like, Nate Hackett's another one that, like, oh, you look at, like, look at the resurrection of Russell Wilson. Like, I'm no Russell Wilson fan, but, like, that's yeah. got to be an indictment on Hackett as well, being – he was terrible last year. Now he seems to be, you know, turning a bit of a corner. Um, and now you look at what he's doing with Zach. Like, this guy's supposed to be a quarterback. Coach, he's supposed to be an offensive mind. And mm-hmm. it's just awful. Like, it's not even watchable. So I just don't know where the finger should be pointed. Or maybe it's, it's collective. But yeah. I have a hard time, too, blaming it all on Zach. Yeah, and I'm with you, Eric. And I, I love to try to find the silver lining in all of it as well. But I mean, the Chargers was a winnable game. If they won that game, their their playoff odds jumped to like sixty five percent chance. And I saw Zach Wilson crumble under the, the the spotlight. Two, I call them strip Zacks. Fourteen points off those. Fourteen points the Chargers got off his sack strip sack fumbles. Direct correlation. I watched Zach Wilson crumble in the final four minutes of the game as well. Historically bad. And if, if if the Jets, I just sit there and I watch and watch and watch these games, and if the Jets had an offense that was just mediocre, not even good, average, just an average 
run-of-the-mill offense. Can you imagine where this team would be? Can you imagine? So, yeah, it is hard to place it all on Zach Wilson's shoulders, but unfortunately, you know, when you win, the quarterback gets all the accolades. When you lose, the quarterback doesn't get all the accolades. The opposite. So, uh, I don't know. It's just a big mess. I I actually think, I know they're favored by one point, which I was kind of surprised. I don't see a way the Jets go out there and win that game. I just don't. But, hey, I would love to be wrong in that situation. Because I can't talk about the draft in, in on November 12th. I mean, oof. Uh, that's bad. Oh, anyway, 877-337-6666. I'm Daniel McCartan. When we come back, we'll, we will have Pete, the Pete Hoffman, on the hotline to talk about UFC 295 and maybe the Giants. As the crowd at, Met, uh, at Madison Square Garden empties out, the fight fans start to make their way home. Stay right there. Back to the fan. My name is Daniel McCartan, and without any further ado, you know him from his you know, his, his daytime shifts here on the fan. Uh, his name is Pete Hoffman, host of the Fight Fan Podcast, right here on WFAN. Pete, you there? I am here. What's going on? Uh, How you, know you doing, Daniel? Hey, you, good. You know what? I'm very good. And the fights ended way earlier than expected, so I'm glad we can get you an hour ahead of schedule here, so you can get to sleep and uh, get off to uh, Jerryland tomorrow. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, I'm actually in Dallas right now. I was not at MSG, unfortunately. Uh, we we travel on Saturdays, so I I'm currently in in uh, in Dallas, unfortunately. All right. Well, where did you watch the fights tonight? I watched it um, as I was doing a podcast with Evan. Where we get we have a huge Rico Bronya coming out uh, on Sunday night. So All right. uh, we were pre-recording it. So get get ready for that too. Oh. Wow, a lot of plugs happening right yeah, now. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're all over the place. So that's a good thing. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm working hard though. So I haven't seen you in, in I don't know. I don't know the last time I did see you. Everything's okay. No, everything is everything's awesome. Good. I can't, I can't complain right now. But uh, but the fights were crazy. Let's just talk. Let me just say this much: yeah. um, the fact that an MSG card it, oh, that was supposed to be headlined by John Jones and Stipe Miocic, which was arguably one of going to be one of the greatest heavyweight fights of all time in UFC, didn't take place, but yet the card over delivered. At the end is is amazing. So we'll get into some of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess first, I mean, what's going to be the biggest headline coming out of this UFC 295 at the Garden? Oof, the biggest headline, I guess, is that Alex Pereira, uh, who knocked out Israel Adesanya a year ago at MSG, he he just owns New York. Yeah. Uh, but he knocked out Israel Adesanya last year uh, to get the middleweight belt. He now is the uh, the light heavyweight champion, and called out Izzy again too, but I don't think Israel Asani is going to go up to that that weight class. But he just early stoppage. It seemed like he was going to win anyway, but that's going to be part of the narrative. Is that it? It was a close fight. It was a fun fight while it lasted, 
and seemed like it may have been a bit of an early stoppage, which sucks. We can't stand that. And there's two things we can't stand in MMA uh, as fans, early stoppages by refs and the judges being terrible to the job. Mm. For, for the casual fan here, Pete, let's back up just a second. Like, Can you sum up what happened for the casual UFC fan? Well, listen, here's what, here's what it is. You t- in five events, they all finishes in, I mean, three of them in the first round and, and two lasted two rounds. I mean, it was incredible. You want to talk about highlight reels? I mean, it's when you talk, I don't know what the, who got the uh, bonuses of the night, but if you want to talk about sick knockout, sick finishes, that's what you're going to see. And that, that's, what's, that's, that's what I love about UFC and MMA uh, as a whole is that you're, you're going to see finishes. You're going to see, see great competition, and it's never boring. I, um, obviously, I wasn't going to pay for the, the, the pay-per-view while I'm here doing the live show. Of course, you know how that goes. So uh, what would you say the biggest upset of the, of the night was? Biggest upset of the night is actually come from the females. So Jessica Andrade, who is a former champ herself, um, was facing Mackenzie Dern, who was the the favorite in the fight. I think she was like a minus 200 close to it. And Jessica Andrade came in as a plus uh, 165. And you could just see, you know, Jessica Andrade has been up and down her, her weight classes. She's been fighting at 115, which was the fight was at today. Mm-hmm. She fought at 125. But to be honest with you, she looked so dominant at 115. Again, Mackenzie Dern, who is a re- really known for her jiu-jitsu skills, her ground game, and she was much has been much improved with the striking game. Jessica Andrade just completely destroyed her, knocked her out in the second round, kind of knocked her out while she was standing on her feet. Mm-hmm. You could see that she was up, but she wasn't there. And finally, in the second round, one more uh, left hook took her out. She collapsed real quickly, and that was by far the biggest upset of the night. Did the main event live up to the billing? Yes, yes. I mean, it, it, that's the thing. Is like the, the billing was Stipe and John Jones, yeah. the, the biggest you know heavyweight fight of all time that that got pulled you know weeks prior. And it's not that they slapped stuck, stuck it together because Yuri Prashaka and Alex Pereira are are amazing. Um, and to headline a fight, it's scary to headline for them to be the headline of the machine. You just don't think it's gonna gonna be as big. But they sold they sold the place out again as always. And and it the fight definitely delivered. And the co-main did too because Tom Aspinall, um, who it took the interim heavyweight fight uh, heavyweight champion. Uh, now because uh, Stipe and, and John Jones couldn't fight for it, but Tom Aspinall knocked out Sergey Popovich in the first round, and that was talk about another big upset. Like you could see Tom Aspinall win the fight in heavyweights because you expect knockouts, mm-hmm. but to knock out Sergey um, where he's never been knocked out ever, it, it was just impressive to see. It was it was crazy. So Alex Pereira won uh, the light heavyweight title tonight. What's next for him? Well, again, he called out Israel Adesanya because he his last loss was versus Izzy. Mm-hmm. That was a middleweight fight. He lost the belt to Izzy. I guess he wants Izzy to come up to, to 205, but that's not going to happen. Uh, Israel Adesanya needs to figure out some things. He lost his last fight to, to 
Sean Strickland, and I know he wants a, a run at that again, too. I just don't think Izzy's ready to go up to 205. We saw that with Jan Blahovitz. Didn't work out well for him. I don't think that's happening. Jamal Hill was in the crowd. Jamal Hill was the former champion up until he, I think he got an injury and he had to give up the belt for, for a moment. So that's why this was, this belt was available. Mm-hmm. And I think that makes the most sense. He was in the crowd. I would think that Alex Pereira would take on Jamal Hill. Now, Pereira didn't really take much damage. So I could see them, you know, maybe like a May, June type of fight. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure where Hill is though with his recovery, but I think that seems to be uh, something that could be lingering around. Who impressed you, stood out to you tonight? Oh, this kid. Uh, I'm, I want to get his name right because I, I'm gonna screw. I don't want to screw it up. Yeah. But but Lopez is this kid Lopez who faced uh, the local Sabatini, Pat Sabatini. Now, by, by the way, before I get to, to Lopez, uh, I do need to give a quick, quick shout out to Long Island's own oh, Matt Frivola. Oh, he, good. He yeah, he didn't. He the steamroller. That's the guy that walks in there. <laughs> With to, to the Edwin Diaz music, it, to Narcos, yeah. you know it's a beautiful thing. There's a lot of hype around his fight with uh, with Saint Denis, and who's gonna who is a stud, and he's gonna be someone that's gonna be a contender in the lightweight division for a while. Unfortunately, Favola got knocked out early on. There was a lot of like you know a lot of action in the first few minutes. That, that's all lasted, but uh, you know it happens. This is the sport, and we sent them to the. Uh, head kick for Volo went down, and that was kind of it, lights out. Only listed a minute and a half, but there was in a minute and a half, a lot of things happened. So, you, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's not for Volo's first loss in his career. Yeah. He's gotten, you know, knocked out before, but he's going to come back better than ever. I guarantee it. That's just who he is. And it's one of those things where St. Denise stock's going to rise for Volo's. is not going to take a hit at all. He'll be back. But Diego Lopez is the kid. you got to look for him. He is he was kind of a dog. He was a plus 100. Pat Sabatini was the favorite local guy. Mm-hmm. But Diego Lopez, it just he he's he's fought last minute a couple times. He's come in and he is just quick and powerful. And in the featherweight division, he's a big bigger guy, and he just continues to steamroll uh, that that weight class. Diego Lopez, just keep an eye on him. He's very impressive. I know this. Obviously, if you don't recognize his voice, Pete Hoffman joins us live here on the fan. Uh, Pete, I know you you always post your 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 picks card. Did, I, I didn't see if you did today. How'd you do? They were awful. <laughs> they were the worst ever. I mean, honestly, I I picked everyone. I picked. I think um, I nailed which one? I nailed the Diego Lopez one. Everything up on the main card was terrible. <laughs> I think the prelims. I do I do okay on the prelims. You know, it's a little bit you know hit or miss. Yeah. I, some of these come. Some of these people are a little bit younger. The Jared Gordon one I missed. I went Marco Man- uh, Mark Madsen, who is, by the way, one of the best Olympic uh, Olympians, former Olympian wrestlers uh, from Canada. Shout out to Jared Gordon as well, dude. This guy, Astoria, New York, grew up, raised, um, has gone through a lot, a lot in life. He after he he knocked out Mark Madsen for the first time in his career. Madsen got knocked out. Jared Gordon though with a huge. KO in the first round at MSG, and here's the thing: is post game comes out and basically it's like you know his his life has changed because shouting out the fact that years ago he was 
in the same area at Penn Station shooting up heroin, mm-hmm. and his life has changed, and now he's knocking out people in the cage. It's just amazing how things happen in this world, but good things for him. Uh, I missed that one, too. I went against uh, Jerry Gordon, which I should not have done. It was a pretty bad card for me. You sound much better than this. This is not, not, not <laughs> I would not be bragging about this card, I'll tell you that. All right, not your best work. Stuff. All right, you're allowed. No. It's okay. Um, mm. For for the fans that, like, right now might be still making their way home from the Garden, what was their experience tonight? Oh, I I think that everybody's walking around. I don't know if shock is the word, but I think there's going to be a buzz. I mean, the thing is this. is that I always tell the people all the time, whenever you go to a sporting event, it's going to be a good time. You're going to walk away talking about something. But unless you get to, like, go to a World Series or you watch a no-hitter or you watch something special happen – it's just a game. You can't go to a UFC event and not feel the buzz. You can't like like. There's nothing bigger than a title fight in, especially at MSG. Right. The buzz. I mean, listen. I'm not whatever side you're on. Uh, Trump was in the crowd. Kid Rock was in the crowd. Not saying Kid Rock's anything, but there was a ton of celebrities in the crowd. A bunch of you, you, Carlos Correa was in the crowd today. I mean, you got to. But he was there like, when we went last time too. Yeah, well, he's a big, he's a big, he's a big UFC fan. He he was doing a podcast for a while. Um, I think it stopped because I think his teammate uh, uh, ended up getting traded. But like, there's the stars come out to MSG regardless, and the stars come out for UFC. And I think at the end of the night, there's no one's going to walk away you know, not feeling some sort of excitement. Now, listen, I will tell you this much. I'm sure there were some tears in the crowd because last year I went with my, my son. I told him it was a lot. If you go for the whole day, mm-hmm. which three of them start like at 6 o'clock, if you go for the whole day, it's a long-ass night. Don't get me wrong. And and when you watch your favorite fighter get knocked out, it is not a great feeling. Mm-hmm. So I remember last year my, my boy was a little upset when Izzy got knocked out, but it happens. Um, but I think that you still walk away feeling like, wow, there's a buzz. That you just feel this energy. It's amazing. You said it's been a year, pretty much to the date, since uh, there's been a last UFC event at the Garden. And, Pete, I know you're so passionate about this. You know personally a, a lot of these fighters and their stories. Like, Can you just describe to, I guess, the listeners here, the, the allure for, for these fighters to overcome it all, end up here in the bright lights of the Garden, in front of all those people that you just mentioned, all those celebrities? Yeah, like, and I'm saying, like, Jared Gordon, for example, again, like, he's gotten through a rough patch. He is a, he is, you know, a rough patch to say. I mean, uh, addicted to heroin. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty rough if you, if you don't have, you know, mm-hmm. if I don't say so. Uh, but it, there's, like, a guy like Matt Favola, he fought uh, St. Denis today, both veterans. Like, they, they both served in the military, in their respective militaries. So, like, th- where they're coming from, how they got here to this moment, it really does mean something to them, especially for the local kids. You know, again, like, Matt's, Matt's local, uh, Jared Gordon's local. So, for them to to see the big names come through, like, Conor McGregor came through. If you're a big UFC fan, you'll know Conor McGregor of the world came through uh, MSG to, to kick off uh, the, to UFC at MSG years ago. But the amount of names that have fought in at MSG, whether it's Tyson, whether it's Ali, you name it, 
the people that have fought at Madison Square Garden now, these guys are there. It's just, and the sport is only growing too. You know that, Danielle. You yeah. cover it too. You see, you're friends with Misha Tate. Like you understand how big the sport continues to get. It's 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 amazing, and yeah, they don't take it lightly. I'll tell you that much. Well, I know your guy, Chris Wade, the Long Island killer. He's fighting in D.C. in two weeks. Uh, A, are you going? And B, what's his trajectory looking like? <laughs> I wish. Um, I, again, <laughs> it's unfortunate right now that the, uh, the 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 giant schedule did not put me in D.C. for that game that that weekend. Otherwise, I'd be there. Um, you know, he's going up against Bubba Jenkins. It's, if they've had a couple fights already, it's going to be a good good war for Chris. Um, I know he's excited about it. And listen, Chris is one of those guys where he has fought so many fights now, especially in PFL, the Professional Fighters League. And he, you know, he's never been able to take over and get the belt, but he puts on a good show. He is aggressive. And I think that if you want to watch a good fight, Chris Wade is definitely going to bring it. Um, I, you know what? He, he's someone who's, who likes to stay active, uh, for sure, and and he's someone that he, he has adventures with this guy Bubba Jenkins. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun fight, regardless. All right. So you mentioned it. I'm gonna be going to Austin in three weeks to see Misha Tate. Pete, I know you know I I value your opinion. What are your, her chances on uh, beating Julia Avila? You know, this is what it comes down to with Misha. We've talked about this before. She's a veteran. like that. So the first thing is you look at her, even though she's getting older, uh, you know, in, in MMA terms, she's getting older. Um, but you still go veteran skills in the cage. And you look at Misha, and she is one of the best former champions. And you have to really take that as a, as a starting point. Because um, she, the experience is, is something that you can't recreate. Uh, there's some fighters that you know they 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 fight sparingly. They're not able to get into the cage as much. And Misha's, I think her 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 career has 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 been so amazing. It's had some ups and downs, but she's always rebounded well, and she's she continues to want to go back in the cage. Mm-hmm. I think that Misha is skilled wise, one of the, still one of the best. Um, and I think if she's able to out, outsmart her opponent, I mean, I, she has enough skills to win. It's just tough these days, you know, because it's a toss. MMA is a toss up. Mm-hmm. So, and I, that's the one thing you always have to start off with is, no matter what we think, anything can happen. It, it's it's fifty fifty as soon as the cage doors close. Oh man, I hope she wins. <laughs> I'm going to be there. I hope she wins. Uh, I guess the final question here, Pete, um, and I'll let you go. But uh, speaking of Texas, you're there mm-hmm. right now. Your thoughts, I guess 1A is going to be your thoughts on this uh, Giants-Cowboys game. How's it going to go? I'll say this much. I hate to say that the Giants have no chance to win, but they really don't. Like That's just that's what it comes down to. Like They're not going to win this game. It's not happening. But they're going to play a much closer game than you think. It's not going to be the 40 to nothing blowout like it was last time. I mean, there's a poor, uh, the over-under, I believe, is 38 and a half. And I think the under is going to be in play. I, I think that the, the mm-hmm. Giants defense, which has been – last week wasn't good. Um, obviously, the Raiders had a different energy with Antonio Pierce taking over. But before that game, Giants defense found themselves. I know that they lost Leonard Williams, 
but they were playing some really great football, which was keeping the offense in the game, that they could score a touchdown and make the game close or kick a field goal and make the, keep the game close. I think it's going to be a close game. Um, I, I'm not sure if uh, DeVito is going to find the end zone like he did last week in garbage time. Um, it's going to be reliant on, on Bullock to get a couple field goals to, to put up points. And I think it's just going to be a low-scoring game. And I, But I, I do think that Dallas will win. So, yeah, I was just about to say, I took the Cowboys in my survivor pool. There's, like, no chance of any, like, Tommy DeMagic, right? No, I mean, after the story about him living at home with his parents, <laughs> I mean, I think that that's the, the American dream is to, you know, be play football, in you know, live in Jersey, play football, live at home with your parents. Uh, that's the American dream right there. So, I, I don't know, maybe this is something special that could be brewing. No. But... No, not this week, Pete. I don't need it this week. <laughs> no, I, I, I think you're safe. I really do. Unfortunately, for, for Giants fans, I think you're safe. All right. Well, that's good. All right. Pete, have fun at the game later. I won't keep you up any longer. And, and thanks for taking the time to stay up late for us. Danielle, I appreciate it. Thanks. And uh, go Misha Tate. That's right. All right. I'll see you soon, Pete. Thanks. All right, lad. Bye. <laughs> oh, you know what? Let's talk about that next. Uh, maybe it's it's... Tommy DeVito, he, he's the Jersey legend, living the dream. Maybe it's him as the quarterback of the future for the New York Giants. I see nothing wrong with this guy's lifestyle. I lived it myself. My name is Daniel McCartan with you here till 3 on The Fan. All right, welcome back to The Fan. My name is Daniel McCartan, and I cannot believe the slack that people have been giving Tommy DeVito about still living at home with his mom and his dad. Dude's 25 years old with, up until like very recently, virtually no income. Pat and I looked it up before. It's uh, $11,000 you get paid to be on, a tw- I rounded up to twelve. Twelve thousand $12,000 you get paid to be on a practice squad. And that's where he was until recently. So it's like, plus you, you put in... A, a non-existent housing market around here, an 8.4% mortgage interest rate, and what do you expect? I mean, really, with no guaranteed income? Yes, the legend of Tommy DeVito continues to grow. Thanks to a gem of an article by Jordan Ranon, uh, we have now learned that the starting quarterback of the New York Giants still lives at home with his mommy and his daddy. Who cares? That's like normal nowadays, where... His mommy does his laundry for him. His mom makes his bed for him and has dinner. Namely, he named by name chicken cutlets waiting for him when he gets home from the Giants facility, which is nine miles from his Cedar Grove home. That is a typical Italian-American mamone if I've ever seen one in my entire life. So I read the article. I was actually like laughing out loud at parts of the article. Sent it to my mom. She read it. And she called me on the phone only to say, she even say hello. I said, hello. She goes, well, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> I, I, I laughed out loud. My mom also did all of those things for me and my brother until we moved out. Like I was telling Connor before, I used to bring my laundry home from college for my mom could do it. <laughs> yes. So she did our laundry fold for us. She folded it for us, put it nice and nice piles on our beds that she made every day for us. There was always dinner on the table when we came home from our sports. Even for me as an adult, when I came home from coaching and still lived there, 
she made our school lunches for us every day. So this story, this DeVito story, isn't at all out of the ordinary for us. It's my North Jersey reality, too. You got Jordan Ron on. He's asking some of the teammates. Saquon Barkley said, for real? Like, with a smile. Justin Pugh said, that is the greatest. You know what? It's smart. Saving his money. Genius. That's the one thing I'd say from a financial standpoint. Your mom helping with your wash, making sure you're up on time, no distractions. Unbelievable. That was a quote. And then Ben Bredesen said, when I came out here, that is what I thought a New Jersey guy was. I love Tommy. Yeah. He's had his Giants friends over too, by the way, Tommy DeVito, in his mom and dad's house. He's like, hey, Ma. I'm having some friends come over to hang out in the basement. Wandale, Jalen, Bryce, I. Jalen Hyatt says he loves the DeVito's hot tub, just so you know. So, guys, 25 years old. Now he's making $44,000 a week for every game he's on the active roster. And he better be helping to pay the mortgage at the very least. But, like, I didn't either. So, I doubt he is. Oh. <laughs> And I didn't move out of mom and dad's house in North Jersey until I was 26. And that was like way earlier than any of my friends. So good for him. But here's the question. Rami, here, here's the question. Volpe's chicken parm or DeVito's chicken cutlets? What are we going to hear more of or about? Well, it depends if Tommy DeVito actually plays well, right? Mm. Like he'd have to continue or start to play well in order for it to become a big So Like Volpe... Turned his season around after that, right? right? So, I don't know. I well, want a gold glove. Right. Deservedly so. But I'm just hoping that the DeVito thing just waits one week. Because <laughs> I the Giants need to lose for me tomorrow. Yeah, if it if it's Matt Barkley or Tyrod Taylor again next week, though, the story's kind of over. Yes, you're right about that. And he better be saving that $44,000. <laughs> yes. Um, and so, in honor of Tommy DeVito tonight... I actually made chicken cutlets for dinner at home before I got here. Did you overcook them? No. (laughs) You're talking about my steak now, too? Everybody's picking on me for my food preferences around here. No. I didn't think I overcooked them. I didn't think I overcooked the steak. Uh, Well, that's arguable. All right. Oh, my God. Did have it with some ketchup, though. Both the steak and the chicken cutlets. Chicken cutlets. Cool. Good. Yeah. Steak, steak not so much. Come on. Yeah, for now, I, I posted a picture before. I will forever refer to them as Tommy the Chicken Cutlets, and that is their new name. So, by the way, Pat Boyle walked in before, and he's like, oh, I think I smelled like the chicken cutlets. I, oh, if you fried something, yeah, then, yeah, it stays it's on you for a month. Hair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I literally took a shower at, like, 6 p.m. I ate dinner at, like, 6.40, and my hair smells like chicken cutlets. I should have just waited. But can you imagine? He comes home. He's like, Mom, Saquon's here for a play date. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Mom, my friends are here. Can you order some pizza? We'll be in the basement. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. I just Sounds like the, ba- the, the hot tub. Oh. Jalen Hyatt loved the hot tub. Don't mind that. I know. But he called it D- Tommy's hot tub. It's clearly not Tommy's hot tub. <laughs> oh, man. But this this story, I mean, this is, I, I just love it. You know, it's it's one of those stories. It's a great humanitarian kind of story. And. I live the life, too. You ask anybody that lives around this area who can't afford to move out, they're living the same exact life, honestly. And Tommy DeVito's mom sounds a lot like my mom. She must be a really nice lady. Must be a really good lady and a really good mom. My mom's sleeping, by the way. There's no way she heard that. 
replay for tomorrow. Anyway, 877-337-6666 is the number to call. We'll go to Dan in Marlboro. What's going on there, Dan? Good morning, Danielle. I'm a first-time caller. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for calling in. Yeah. Hey, you know, Danielle, um, I'm still laughing about the DeVito thing with the Giants. (laughs) (laughs) I want to make some real quick, some numerous jet points, but yeah, with the DeVito thing, I, I heard about that on Boomer and Geo in the morning. Mm-hmm. I thought I caught the tail end of it. I thought they were just. Jo- I thought it was all a joke about him living at home with his parents. No, I. <laughs> no, it's for real. It's for real. For real. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So you know, Daniel, with my jet points. Um, first thing is with Robert Salas. Okay, I really I want to get your opinion on all these too, if I can. Robert Salas. No, I, Robert I Salas. Yeah, he's he's more. He's a defensive coordinator playing a head coach. I, I, I'm, I, I keep getting that feeling, right, with, with Robert Salas. You know, as far as him being more of a uh, defensive coordinator. Uh, when Aaron Rodgers went down, uh, I'm a diehard Steelers fan. I go back to 1975. But you know what, Daniel? When, when Aaron Rodgers went down, I, I felt so I, – I felt just like all the Jeff fans. I felt so bad. I, 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 was, I felt awful. It was awful, right? And the first thing, and the first thing, you know, Danielle. Yeah. The first thing I said to myself was, "Why did they let Mike White go?" Right. That's the first thing I thought. The first thing I thought of, right? Yep. Why did you? Why did you do that, right? And the other thing is this: I know this is like a long time ago, but I think you know what, Danielle. It it all most of it starts with ownership, and with the Jets and Woody Johnson. I'm saying to myself for for a while now. When Doug Peterson came out of retirement and Trevor Lawrence came out of the draft, why did not uh, Woody Johnson? Why did why didn't Woody Johnson make it a priority to get to try and get both of them? If not one of them, get both of them. Well, uh, why did that not happen? Yeah, That's easy, what Dan, you know. I'll take the Trevor Lawrence thing. I mean, easy because the the Jets beat the Raiders and that blew their chances of getting the, the Rams. Sorry. And they blew their chances of getting um, uh, Trevor Lawrence. That was it. Tank for Trevor. It was over at that point. Um, Robert Sala is the, is the coach's name, by the way. Uh, maybe I agree with you in the fact that he's a def- – I mean, the defense is great. But he's not calling the plays, you know. You've got an extra quarterback coach in Aaron Rodgers on the sidelines. And unfortunately for the Jets, it's just, it's just not working out. Um, there was another point in there I wanted to make, and I can't remember – Jeez, it's it's one of those moments. I just had a senior moment. I told you I'm getting old. I did tell you I'm getting old. I'm still tired from Vegas. But, yeah, why didn't he go out and, and, and make a move for, for Lawrence? That's why. Because the Jets put themselves out of contention for him once they won a, a, one game too many, in other words. So, unfortunately, they, they're stuck with, with uh, Zach Wilson, and that's it. By the way, there were 17-point dogs in that game, which are the Giants. Are oh, don't 17. even. Yeah. I don't want to hear it. I'm covering my ears. I don't even want to hear it. Because I have the Cowboys in my survivor pool. That's it. You have nothing to worry about. <laughs> okay. All right, then. <laughs> All right, so we're going to take a quick break here. we got a Pat Boyle update. My name is Daniel McCartan with you on The Fan. For one more hour. Welcome back to The Fan. My name is Daniel McCartan hanging with you for one more hour. Alvin Syndrome will come your way then. Until then, let's get back into it. Uh, we've got some UFC on the table tonight, if you want to talk about that. And some Jets, Giants, 
Maybe some uh, Mets and Yankees make some moves. Who knows? We'll see. Some hot stove baseball. It's still percolating, so it's not really at the fever pitch just yet. But that Tommy DeVito story, the Jersey legend, lives on. 877-337-6666. And I'm all for it, but it can't happen this week. Not this week. Of all the weeks for him to percolate and go off and capitalize on his first team reps that he's been getting all week, please not this week. Thank you. Get into that in a second. We'll take your calls. We'll go back to your calls. 877-337-6666. As I just said, we go out to Rocco in Saratoga and then Douglas in the Bronx. Rocco, what's going on? Good evening, Danielle. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I got I got a poem read to me earlier. Now you're serenading me. I don't know which one's oh, going to end you, better. You know, Danielle, <laughs> I love you. But don't tell your husband, all right? Don't yes, I, I, I'm right. sure. I, I won't tell him when I meet him. Right. the two of us. Don't tell anyone else. Right. I don't want that. I don't want him to beat me up. That's right. Although I and Mike, my cousin, might show him a thing or two. Okay. Now you got to call your cousin. Just letting now. you he, know. He might not get there. Just in time, letting but... you know. All right. <laughs> hey, Danielle. Yeah. Uh, first, uh, uh, a right eye salute to all our, our vets. Uh, Semper Kai. That's right. My brother Joe, USMC. My dad, World War II, four years in the Merchant Marine, dropped out of Alfred E. Smith High School in the Bronx to join the Merchant Marines at 16. Mm -hmm. The Army wouldn't take him at 17. They said, kid, go to the Merchant Marines. You're too young. So he did for four years, okay? Mm -hmm. And then my Uncle Phil, who's a regular World War II hero, he fought with General Patton in the, in the uh, desert there against Rommel. Then he was at the Battle of the Bulge and got shot won uh, every medal there is in the military. Two Purple Hearts, the Silver Star, Bronze Star, Distinguished Service Medals, a real war hero, my Uncle Phil. My cousin Joe, Joe Rosado, was the helmsman of the USS America in the Gulf of Tonkin, 1968 to 70, battle action in Vietnam. Rocco, we totally understand. Jet. I'll add my he two grandparents to it. All right, what's your Jets and Giants point here? Yeah, my Jets and Giants take, hey, first of all, Italian. Perfectly fine, DeVito. My mother, Conchetta, <laughs> my grandmother, Maria. Hey, that's the way it was done. I know. You got a couple of cutlets and a big loaf of Italian bread. <laughs> I was a chubby kid, 250 pounds when I was 13. Whoa. I was overfed, but wow. I didn't know it. But I didn't know it. You were I thought good. that's how everyone ate. You're right, I Rocco. thought everyone ate that way. <laughs> How did I know? I went to lunch to my grandmother. She gave me a loaf of Italian bread, shoved a couple of cutlets in there, fried up some potatoes, and then gave me a bowl of macaroni. And that was my lunch in a half an hour. Then I got back to St. Adalbert's in the Bronx. And then I, when I got home, my mother did the same thing. Right. And then I had dinner. No wonder I was a husky kid. All right? <laughs> but, That's the Italian way. <laughs> and it's the lasagna before the turkey on Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. Oh, you talking it. The people focaccia, don't get it. The focaccia. You <laughs> want a steak pizziola? Throw it in the sauce for my father John. Hey, we. She. My. My mother cooked individual meals. Six yeah. brothers and sisters. Whatever you wanted. Hey, I don't feel like that, Mom. 
first of all, I was the oldest. So mom asked me, Rocco, what do you want to have for dinner tonight? Not my dad. The oldest son was in charge of the menu. And whatever I told her, that was the main course. But then my father said, hey, Connie, you know, I, I like a steak of pizziola. Can you throw it in the sauce? Yeah, sure. My brother says, no, nah, I, I want something. Rocco, I, I got to cut you off. I'm, I'm hungry. Yeah, no, I'm I hungry go. already. I know, I know. It's old school. Jets, Giants, the Giants are going to be competitive. I'll take the points. The Jets are going to win. Okay, Danielle? Go with the Rock. Mm-hmm. Go with the Rock. All right. Rock, okay. I, I hope so. I hope the Jets win because that, that again, will, will save us from talking about the draft again in mid-November. I hope you're right. And I hope you're right that the Giants will lose because, you know, I got my survivor pool riding on it. Well, uh, Rami, I'm hungry after that call. You know, they say that uh, Jewish homes and Italian homes are similar when it comes to the food. Right. So, yeah, I grew up, same thing. I mean, I, I didn't have the two meals back to back. I didn't leave school in the middle of the day, but I know what he's <laughs> talking about. I mean, like. <laughs> my mom used to pick me and my brother up and then bring us home for lunch and then bring us back. You know, I was at my parents' house today, and when I left to come here, um, or I guess technically now it's last night, but because we were talking about Tommy DeVito before, I, I. I went to go say bye to my dad, and I, as I was walking out, I didn't, like, he used to, like, throw me 20 bucks or just, like, you know, some some travel money or something like that. He didn't get, I was like, I guess I'm an adult now. He didn't give me anything. Oh, you're like, cut what, off. What's happening? Rami, you are cut <laughs> off. Know. That's what that means. <laughs> I know. One day it just stops coming. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> I'm like, when did this happen when he didn't just, like, at least hand me something for the road? Yeah. Well, you know what? You've become, a, you've become an adult. Yeah. That's it. Uh, I don't, yeah, I, apparently, I, I I wasn't. I'm the last to find out. But mm. well, you should just charge him on Venmo for the twenty bucks. See what oh, happens. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Yeah. I, instead, I got a bag full of food for my mother. That's what I get. Yeah. All right. Can't complain. I know my my dad calls it Meals on Wheels. She still brings food to my house. <laughs> oh, 100 percent. Yeah. <laughs> I got my grandmother too. My grandmother oh. lives next door now to my parents. Oh. So it's like, you know, she sends out the whole. She empties her whole freezer. I have this and that and this and yes. all that. Thanks. Yep. All right. My mom makes sauce and then puts it in 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 containers for me to freeze. Exactly. And I tell her, I got one left. I got it. Mom, if you're listening, I only have one sauce left. I need more. 2 a.m. She might be up with the dog. I don't know. <laughs> All right, let's go to Douglas and Bronx. He, in the, he's been very patiently waiting. What's going on, Douglas? Nice to talk to you. Hi, nice to talk to you, too. Happy overnight, Danielle. That's and, right. Yes, we've entered the cuisine portion of this show. And <laughs> boy, my stomach's growling, too. Yes, yes, I'm very familiar with all those Italian goods. And I grew up in a household also, you know, the, there's a Filipino side of my family. So oh. I got a, a double chicken and the bakery goods like Sapine Sapine, Cochenta, if there are any Filipino listeners out there. Yeah, that's very, we set up. Yeah, very delicious, too. Yeah. So uh, on to the sports before I, I get hungry even further. <laughs> I know, yeah. Uh-huh. Yes, please. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> before uh, you mentioned Peyton Manning and his bad Jets joke at the CMA Awards. But um, he is also responsible for many more cruel jokes in Jets history. So in 1996, the Jets went 1-15, and and, uh, Peyton Manning was graduating University of Tennessee a year early. Mm -hmm. Um, So he could have went to the NFL draft then. Jets had the number one pick. But he decided to stay because he had one year of eligibility left, despite his studies being over. So he negated the Jets at that year in, in 97. Then fast forward to 2012, he became a free agent. Jets were not too far off 
from their back-to-back AFC title appearances. Uh, he rebuffed them. Then he went to Denver to join the Broncos. And then the real bad part, uh, he called the CEO of the Jets in 2019 to recommend Adam Gates mm. to be oh, there. I know. Uh, so <sighs> as bad a joke as he said on Wednesday, those are three more cruel jokes <laughs> upon Awful. the Jets. Yeah, that, that, that's that's right. Cruel. Cruel joke was that Adam mm. Guru, man. I cannot. Mm. Terrible. Oh, awful. Now, I am not asking for the... Well, uh, Gates' head certainly uh, should be uh, right, uh, definitively and deservedly fired. But I'm not going to say the case for Brian Dable at Georgia. They're still, we're still in rebuild mode. I mean, it's still second year. Uh, uh, unfortunately, well, Walt Whitman you had last hour uh, didn't agree so. <laughs> but uh, no, no, I mean, granted, they've taken a step back this year. Um, I mean, I am a little, I was concerned that you know, the entry of these games kind of lackluster, non-competitive, uh-huh. but that's also a testament to their opponent. They had an easier schedule last year. Um, I mean, right. uh, I, I would say the one outright example Dable's decision making at the end of regulation of the Jets Giants game but I mean I, I but overall I'm not asking for his head I mean it's still a work in progress for the Giants uh right there um but here's the main point I wanted to get your uh take on because this this came on Tuesday so you were still uh still uh, uh you know coming back from your Las Vegas trip I don't know if you caught this the long, expletive-filled tirade by Yankees GM Brian Cashman <laughs> at the at the meetings yeah. this past week. Yes, he was defending his analytics department. Oh, we're we're you're criticizing because we're too analytically driven. Do you know we have the smallest analytics department in AL East? Are you shocked by that? We have the biggest uh, scouting department in the major leagues. Does any anybody shocked at that? Is that you know what it is, Douglas? It's, it's, they right. got the wrong people. They have the wrong, I don't care how the size of it. They just have the wrong yeah. people in charge of it. Oh, absolutely. So, and you get that, you got the sense. And, if, and how we talked earlier that day on Tuesday, defending, of course, defending his own team, defending the staff, um, trying to say um, that, uh, taking aim at the critics about Aaron Boone, that he. He only solely makes his decisions upon uh, analytics and all that. So, okay. So uh, we're supposed to blame him for the inconsistent lineups day to day. Okay. Mm-hmm. So sure, I will do that. But how about this? So you got the sense from Steinbrenner and Cashman that 2023 was all because of injuries. That it was merely a blip. That all you got to do is take a look at 22, uh, year 2022. That that's where we should um uh that we should expect for next year um that they'll be they'll bounce back and all that okay now well, look douglas maybe they will yeah. and, and, and thanks for the caller, douglas and may, maybe they will but they got to start spending money man they got to do it in the right way on the right players and if that means revamping the scouting department and the analytics department the pe- I mean, meaning the people in them, then that's what they're going to need to do. Juan Soto's out there for the taking. That would set the tone. That would set the tone. And, and Anthony uh, Volpe's gold glove now makes Oswald Peraza expendable. Put him in a package for Juan Soto. Get it done. Stop the prospect hugging. That's what's going to need to happen. We go to Phil and Carney. What's going on, Phil? 
Hey, how's it going, Daniel? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. So, now you talk about the Yankees, too. That's another point. Yeah, whatever. I mean, how, whatever you want. Is it possible that Zach Wilson against this Raiders defense could go for his first three-touchdown game? He's got five touchdowns on the season. No. And then with the Yankees, I, I, I on, on the same thing, if we don't get Soto, Yamamoto, or any any of those, Bellinger, yep. or Otani, like, Otani, I feel like I, I got to give, give up. Forget about Otani. Bellinger would be nice. Yep. Soto would be nice. Yamamoto would be nice, too. Any one of those three, but forget Otani. I feel like I got to give up if they don't get any of those. Yeah, uh, Phil, you'd be probably starting the season in the same spot you were last year. Um, without a left fielder, <laughs> uh, without uh, any assurance in the starting pitching rotation, and without any left-handed bats. So, you know what? I couldn't blame you if you wanted to give up at that point in time. Couldn't blame you. They have to come away with something. Bellinger, that's a great fit. I was pushing for it at the trade deadline, and the Cubs were like, nope, we're going to keep him. We'll see what happens. Let's see what that that would indicate to me that the Yankees are, are true players. They go in and they get one of those guys. If not, they're gonna flirt with the B level talent. And you know what? Forget about it. It's a lost season already going into it. Go to Franklin and Kingston. What's going on? Hey, you know, I like signing you again. Uh, first of all, uh, just the 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 food talk. Uh, I'm Dominican. Uh, you know, we do the same thing with the food, like you, like the Italians. Mm-hmm. My mom sends me to college with a small bag of food, like a large <laughs> bag of food. It's all so cultural, so all the same kind yep. of stuff. Yeah. Just want to talk to you about uh, if you thought about the free agency at all for the Mets or the Yankees. I talked with Fleece yesterday about uh, you know uh, some of the hot stuff kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, in particular, I'm a big Mets fan, so um, I think there's a lot of talk about the Japanese players, but I kind of want to go for like more a little bit more of a lower tier players like uh Blake Snell and uh, Blake Snell would be a nice fit. I, I yes, I was a fan of Blake Snell. Here, Franklin, I'm gonna hang up the phone so you can hear the answer here. But um yes, Blake Snell yes, 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 and yes again. I also will note and underscore the fact that J D Martinez is also an unrestricted free agent in twenty for for the twenty twenty four season. Call him up. Call him up right now. Bring him in right now. The Mets need that guy's bat in this lineup. Yes, totally yes. Blake Snell, Yamamoto, J.D. Martinez, now we're talking. You saw David Stearns wants to bring back Pete Alonso. Let's see what a deal with it for him, you know, uh, an extension for him would look like. And the Mets would be right back in there. Edwin Diaz as your closer. And then you pick up, you know, pieces of a bullpen. But the good news is they're not that expensive prospect-wise or dollars-wise. But... Yes, Blake Snell, I've been talking about for a long time now for the Mets. A very good fit for them. Good fit for the Yankees, too, but I, I believe more so for the Mets. I think if you're the Mets, I think you also make a run at Otani. I think you do because, yes, he most likely can't pitch this year, but if you're not going for J.D. Martinez, who really is just a DH now, well, then maybe maybe you, you invest he- more heavily in Otani, who could be your everyday DH now, and then pitch the season after that. Obviously, it'll be much more costly to do that. But, I mean, last year, J.D. Martinez only made $10 million. I say only because it's only $10 million. He's a year older now. He's going to be 36. You get him for $9 million? 9 5 
Let's see what his market value is. Market value says, yeah, well, the market value says 15.4, but uh, I would still do it. How can you, how can you not have that production in your lineup at the DX position? I mean, the Vogelback, really? Really? You're going to roll him back for one more year? Stop it. So, um, yeah, without having deep dived into that, um, that's kind of my preliminary suggestions. I got a, a message, a DM from Mike Medico on my uh, Instagram, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. He said, Danielle, mark it down. Giants to beat the Cowboys with DeVito under center. Giants defense will keep the game close and do enough to give the G-Men to win. $5 money line bet to win forty-seven fifty. Put it on the air. All right, Mike, I put it on the air, but I hope you're wrong because I have the Giants again in my in my survivor pool. 50% of the remaining people, like me, picked the Cowboys. 32% picked the Bengals over the Texans. So let's go Texans, and you'll never hear me say this again, but let's go Cowboys. Shh, don't tell anybody. Up next, Z- Jets reporter from The Athletic, Zach Rosenblatt, joins us right here on The Fan. Welcome back to The Fan. We've got Jets reporter for The Athletic and the co-host of The Athletic's Can't Wait podcast, Zach Rosenblatt, joining us right now. Zach, thanks for thanks for coming on tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me, Danielle. Can we get right into this? Can I ask you, what is the point of having Aaron Rodgers throwing bombs before games? Like, why can't this guy just do it in practice and just keep everybody guessing about where he's at in his recovery? Uh, I mean, this is the same guy. He goes on a show every week to talk about his every aspect of his life. So I, uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, I, he knows what he's doing. It, it's it always funny to me when he, you know, he does things like his comments that he made to Derwin James on the, on the field. And then he goes on Pat McAfee and, and he says, I, I, I had no idea cameras were following me. Like he definitely, he knows the attention it grabs, but you know, I think there's some of it is giving some hope to his teammates. Cause I do think, um, the idea of him coming back and saving their season. Like I, I'm sure it's in the back of their heads, even if they don't want to admit it. So I, I, I do think there is a part of it of that where he's like, look, I just keep battling and get, get to a point where it's worth me coming back kind of thing. All right. Well, listen, we all know and pointed out when he said it, the jets have to be in playoff contention for him to come back, obviously. Right. Even if he is ready to come back, the jets might be out of it by then. You are there every day, Zach Rosenblatt. What is the temperature, the barometer, the the belief inside that locker room right now? Yeah, it's that's a good question. You know, I I think I think the belief is still that it's kind of like last year, honestly. It's we have the defense that like we have a championship defense, we have an elite defense. If the offense can catch up, we're gonna be hard to stop. It hasn't happened yet. So I do think, you know, this Raiders game is going to be a pretty big like turning point in the season um you know i think i felt the same way before the giants game and if they had lost that one we probably would have had this conversation earlier but um like this raiders game if they don't win it or if they win it in a way where the offense still looks terrible like i, I do think there's either going to be some changes or there's going to be if they lose this game I, I you know there's risk of the locker room fracturing like because the defense has just been again it's the same exact storyline as last year which is the craziest part of all of this it's like deja vu um like it, it, we're it feels like we're at a tipping point right now with Zach Wilson and and uh, you know that if this coaching staff wants to keep this thing together, they they need to figure out how to get the offense going and how to keep everybody in there happy because to having the 
Robert Sala having to do this two years in a row is almost an impossible task because keeping it together in the same exact way. Like it just feels like I'm sure the guys in there feel like they've haven't moved forward at all. So we'll talk about the offense in a second, but would you consider I, I it's a yes for me. Is this jets defense super bowl caliber? Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think every team is only as like it, you can't win with just one side of the ball unless that side is offense, frankly. Like if you have a great offense, you might be able to survive. It'll be hard, but I think you're more likely to to make it make some noise if you have a great offense and a bad defense than the flip of it. So I I I do think this defense, if they had an even average offense, we're talking a lot differently about this Jets team. I and mean, they, they literally have the worst red zone offense and worst third down offense in the NFL. And it's not even particularly close. Like they have like historically bad in both areas, which is kind of hard to do and still be four and four. So I, the defense is putting everything on their back right now and it's not sustainable. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask about those third downs and, and the red zone or the gold zone, if, if you will, uh, first the third downs, why can't they crack um, the third down puzzle uh, over there in Florham park? Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's the biggest question right now. You know, I, I, I think there is something to be said about, what they do on the first two downs, I think they've become pretty predictable in a lot of ways. I There hasn't been a lot of creativity in my mind. Um, they've gotten a little better about this, but for a while, their progression was run, run, pass every single time because they're scared to pass the ball. And when you're third and long so often, you're not going to get first downs, but they haven't been good on third and short either. Like, it's not like, like they say that, but they have not been good on third and short either. So I, some of it's play calling, some of it's ex- execution. They talk about shooting themselves in the foot, which they do, I think, the thing that they leave out is that every team shoots themselves in the foot at some point throughout the season, throughout a game, and they overcome it. And this Jets team does not overcome it. So I think the biggest issue for me, I think, is the way they start the games. They've been awful in the first quarter. they have I don't think they've scored on the first drive this season. Uh, I believe the last time they scored on the first drive, like a touchdown, was the Bears game last year with Mike White. Um, that's the, Those are the plays that are scripted. Those are the 15 plays they script during the week. Those are supposed to be their best plays. They practice them all week. And when you go out and you just lay an egg every first quarter, it puts you behind the eight ball. And all of a sudden you're playing from behind. And this is a team that wants to run the ball. And they had to throw the ball 40 times last week, which was not a recipe for winning. Um, the running game hasn't been able to get going because the defense obviously knows they're going to run it every time they're out there. I, I believe even Antonio Pierce, the Raiders coach said something like they let you know that they want to run it. Like it, it's nobody in the building is surprised by it. So it's, it's just a very predictable offense right now. And so if the defense knows what's going to happen and they're not scared of you taking off the top on the back end and you can, you know, shade all the coverage towards Garrett Wilson, like, what are the Jets going to do? And they haven't really been able to figure that out. And that's, it's on the coaches. The players have to execute, of course, but the coaches have not really been putting these guys in position. The game plan doesn't sound right to me. I mean, I think you've kind of alluded to that in, in many different facets there. So, uh, I mean, going into this very winnable air quotes there, winnable Raiders game, what is one you know, offensive game plan or offensive tweak that you would make coming into this week's game. They, they had the right idea last week where they went tempo. Cause I think that's when Zach Wilson is kind of at his best when he has, when he has to think when he doesn't have to think weirdly, I, I would say, um, but you know, it, it's, it's simple stuff. Um, it's getting the ball to Garrett Wilson quickly on like slants and stuff like that. It's getting the ball to Brees Hall and even Xavier Gibson in space. Um, it's taking some shots down the field. It's, doing something creative end arounds, whatever it is. And it's getting the running game going. Like it's, you know, I, 
I, I'm not like a play caller. I can't come up with like the exact what they should do specifically, but I, I think those kind of things like getting Zach out of the pocket, doing more play action, more pre-snap movement, like whatever they got to do to throw the defense off guard because they're just not surprised by anything the Jets are doing right now. The athletic Zach Rosenblatt joins us here on the fan. Um, Why isn't Zach Wilson getting any better? I mean, I, at, at this point, I it just I think this is who he is. Uh, it's hard to say otherwise. I do think you know, I, I mean, I we all sound like a broken record at this point. I think he has the talent, um, but for whatever reason, the processing part of it has just not been able. He hasn't been able to do. And when he gets out there and he's under pressure, he he really scram, not literally, but he scrambles and he, um, you know, when his first read is not there or second read, he doesn't really know what to do and. Um, even when they are there, he's, you know, his footwork was a big talking point as things looked better earlier in the season about how he worked on that. And now it seems like he's regressed back to last year where he's missing easy throws. Um, there's even a play last week. And I think of this as just a clear sign of like that he's playing with fear again, is that, you know, there was a play where he had a clear path to run and instead he like tossed it over to Michael Carter, who was, had like three defenders around him. And he admitted after that was a mistake, obviously. Um, he said he was going through his progressions, but that's the problem. He's like, so like, he needs to be told what to do in every aspect. And some offenses do that. And, you know, I think, um, you know, you look at like the Kyle Shanahan, the way he does things, like everything is laid out for the quarterback. Like this is the thought. They almost don't have to make their own decisions. And maybe, I mean, that was the offense they had last year with the floor and that didn't work either, but I don't really know what the solution is, but Zach, for whatever reason is having a hard time processing. And that's, and, and as his confidence goes away, it's, he becomes unplayable. So you hope that he's able to bounce back this week. The last time, Everybody was out on him was after that Patriots game. Then he went and had that Chiefs game. So this game is kind of like for his career, weirdly. Like there's a lot of pressure on him. Like this might be his last chance to be a starter. If if he's bad against the Raiders, I don't see a a way he gets another shot. Do you think he gets through the Raiders game or at halftime they make a switch? I don't – it's it's all – it depends on how he looks. Like if he's bad, like I can answer in this way. Like if he's as bad as he was last week, I do think he'll be benched by halftime. If he's better, then they'll give him a shot. But it – what I'm most curious of, and I've had some people ask me this, like if, like if they win 13 to 10 and he's bad, like does that, do they bench him? And that I think that's going to be the big question because I they can still win this game if he's not great because the Raiders are not that good. But, um, like do you want to keep going for, as you play the Dolphins and the Bills, and you have some hard games? The Texans look better. Like you have Dolphins twice. You have the Bills. They never beat the Patriots, so that's never an easy win. The Browns have a great defense. Like it's not an easy schedule coming up. So. This is the game. This is the turning point. This is the game where you decide if you you bench him or not. What about Dalvin Cook? Why couldn't the Jets just take what they could get for him at the deadline? They're not even using him anyway. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if they could get anything for him at the deadline. Is is the big reason? Um, and I I think there's a part of it like there's a part of their thought process because they were still they had a winning record at the time or whatever. Um, where if Brees gets hurt, we're in a lot of trouble. So I I think, would you rather trade Dalvin for a seventh round pick or do we want to ride it out for now? And, you know, I, I, it wouldn't, you know, if they're out of, if they're out of it at, towards the end of the season, like it wouldn't shock me if they both mutually decided to part ways so we could go sign somewhere else. But um, I think it's more of a safety valve, right? I mean, they're not really playing men of all. So it's a, uh, it's a weird thing. I, I think they should have Izzy Abanaconda playing. Um, he's been on, he's been a healthy scratch, but yeah, it's a, uh, that wound up being a pretty bad signing, and it, and it counts as a loss on Joe Douglas's resume for sure. With us right now on the fan is the athletic Zach Rosenblatt. Um, some game planning things here. Uh, again, going back to Hackett, he left Dwayne Brown on an island, and not a Revis island, a bad island, against Parsons in that Cowboys game. 
So what's the plan for another game wrecker, Max Crosby, this week? Yeah, you know, the season they haven't really done a good job of sending help when they've played great. If you, I mean, last week the Chargers had two, but they thought they could do Billy Turner one-on-one, and that did not work out. Um, I mean, the, the solution is you send help. You put Jeremy Ruckert in there as pretty good blocker, C.J. Uzama. They're going to have to play extra tight ends, which, you know, limits what you can do is in the passing game. But, like, that's – like, Max Crosby is unique in that he plays almost every single snap, which usually pass rushers kind of rotate a little more so they can get a breather. Like, he goes the whole game, and he's relentless. He's going to be a real challenge. As of right now, I don't know exactly who's going to play right tackle. There's no great solution. So it's going to be – it's going to be tough, and he's going to – He's going to be a challenge for sure, especially Zach Wilson knowing that he's there. And that was maybe the issue last week, too, where he knew Khalil Mack or Joey Bosa were going to be there in a couple seconds. Amazing. Well, Zach, put aside the the talent level of this team. Do you feel that they are prepared for each and every game? Um, I mean, it's, I think it's fair to ask on the offensive side of the ball, certainly. Um you know, when a team comes out to sluggish like they do every game in the first quarter, even on defense to a degree, though, they obviously figure it out and they still don't wind up giving up a lot of points. But, yeah, it's on coaching if you're not ready. And they've had a lot of penalties the last, like, four weeks. I think they've averaged, like, eight or nine penalties a game um, and some of them dumb ones. So, I, yeah, I mean, I are they being prepared? I think that the coaches are doing their best, but right now their best isn't good enough. So I, I think, you know, I you would hope they change some things up this week or try to figure out what they can do better. But, um Based on what they've done, so you know we're in week ten, and we're and you still have Nathaniel Hackett talking about we're trying to figure out what we're good at. So it's it's not like a great look. Zach Rosenblatt from the Athletic joins us on the fan. Um, you're there every day. I mean, more than than I am. But in your professional opinion, are the penalties a reflection of the coach or a function of, of maybe a player's lack of concentration or a combination of both? I guess. Yeah, it's 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 hard to. You know, some some of their penalties and the judge coaches make sure to point this out. Like there's some personal foul penalties where they like to play fast and violent. And so like the product of that sometimes is a penalty where you, you know, throw the quarterback down when you shouldn't or you dive at a guy when you shouldn't. Like there's they shouldn't be eliminating those, but like they they have like penalties that they're like okay with because of that. And then there's other ones that are dumb ones like jumping off sides or um, you know, Jermaine Johnson had one where he dove at the quarterback when he was already being tackled, kind of thing. Like stuff like that can't happen and that you know, but if, if these penalties keep happening, it is on coaching staff because they're clearly not hammering that they can't do certain things. But yeah, that's it's kind of a progress. It hasn't been an entire season thing. It's been the last four weeks. But if it keeps up this way, then it absolutely is on the coaches. Rogers told McAfee, this is a quote. He said, it sucks when we have a poor performance on offense like that, because I know what we're capable of. I know how we've been practicing. And, and that was in reference to the Chargers game. You're there every day, Zach. How have they been practicing? Does it look good at practice and they just can't put it together in a game? Well, in terms of practice, we only get to see the beginning part of practice. So I, it's, it's hard for me to answer that directly. But, um, you know, I, I I know there's a sense of urgency in that building. I know they they know what's at stake and they know that they need to they, they, the second half of this. Like they can't collapse like they did last year or Woody Johnson might want to make some changes. So I I. Uh, I think everybody knows what's at stake this week. Um, and yeah, we'll see how they respond. What is one roster move or decision from this off season that they would like to have back? The one I think about is what the Will McDonald first round pick. I, I don't, I don't know if they necessarily would say they would want to have it back. Cause I think that was like a future pick. I just, at the time I felt this way and it seems even more obvious now. Just, they made a luxury pick on a team that had like other obvious needs. Um, 
especially receiver now looks like uh, like passing on Jackson Smith, Najigba, and Zay Flowers. I think was a mistake. I've, everything I've heard is they didn't grade those guys highly. Is why they didn't draft a receiver. But um, you know, Will McDonald, while talented, and he'll probably be a really good player down the line. They needed someone right now, and so you have him who has a half a sack and seventy snaps or whatever, and then you have say flowers who has like 500 receiving yards. Like it's hard to justify that. The athletic Zach Rosenblatt joins us on the fan. Hey, I don't know if you're a country music fan, but maybe you saw the video on Twitter. The thought, your thoughts on that Peyton Manning joke at the CMAs. Did you see it? I I saw the joke. Yeah. (laughs) Why is he picking on the jets? I mean, they they averaged the third highest attendance in the league this season. I mean, what's Peyton Manning's problem with the jets? It's a good question. Him and Eli were, were roasting them the entire game the other day too. So um jets fans did not love that comment i i've seen some references to how peyton like recommended adam gay so maybe there's some they fired his friend or something i don't know but um, yeah it's uh i mean it's a it's a fun thing for there to be a battle between jets fans and somebody who's a public figure like that yeah i was thinking that too i'm like or did he or was it the reverse or did he plant adam gaze here just to inflict <laughs> more misery on the jets yeah i mean that's a good conspiracy theory i like it <laughs> yeah, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I think I agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I know uh Jets fans have been very patient so far this season, but a very winnable game against uh the Chargers has them frustrated. So in my opinion, and it's justifiably so, what is your message to Jets fans, Zach Rosenblatt? Uh buckle up and hope that it's not as bad as it was last year, I guess. Like and I know uh, Jets fans don't have a lot of hope these days, but um, just believe in this defense, I guess. Jets are at four and four. They've got Vegas followed by Buffalo, Miami this Sunday. It's a must win. I can't let you go without giving me a game prediction. What do you have for this week? It's a tough one to predict, but I kind of want to go with the thing I alluded to earlier. Jets uh, 13 Raiders 10. And Zach Wilson continues or does not, even if that's the score. Yeah, I'm going to say he's not their quarterback next week. Really? Yeah. Even with a win. It depends how it goes, but yeah, I, I, I lean towards no. All right. Well, Zach, thanks so much for the time today. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. No diggity. Welcome back to the fam. My name is Daniel McCartan with you for uh, just one more segment. So get aboard 877-337-6666. Al Cintron will come your way. Then uh, cannot go an entire show without making some picks, right? Jets, Giants picks. Um, hey, Al, I guess we'll start with the Jets first I, for whatever reason. I don't know why. I guess they're the big primetime game. They're the, the more relevant team of the two. Uh, yeah, so a big blow for the Jets this week. Dwayne Brown and Billy Turner out for this game. Brown with a hip, Turner with a broken finger. They are out. The Jets enter this game down to offensive line. So somewhere in the Vegas Valley right now, Max Crosby is grinning in his sleep. He feasted on the Giants quarterback, Tandem last week. He had three sacks. In total, last week, Vegas had eight sacks and nine quarterback hits. And they're not really known for their defense. We'll put it that way. I expect the same figures this week for the Raiders defense against the Jets. So if you had if you need a defense in your fantasy team, pick up the Raiders defense. 
Add all that to the fact that the Jets' third down defense is historically bad. Their touchdown percentage in the red zone is is at like 24%, also historically bad. I just don't see a way for the Jets to win this game. And for them, it's going to need to be the Brees Hall show. And that is particularly where the Raiders' defense is, in fact, susceptible. However, you can't make it the Brees Hall show if you're down big early. And by big, I mean 10 points, two scores. Because the the Jets are among the worst, if not the worst, in the league in first quarter point differential. You can't run the ball when you need to make up points. You know, the ground, the points. You can't waste the clock. And last week, just a couple days ago, in fact, the Chargers put up 14 points directly off turnovers. And then you add in a special teams touchdown, and I'm thinking... Any lead that the Raiders might open up beyond two possessions will be insurmountable. It'll be an insurmountable death sentence for this Jets team. And they are favored by one point in this game, which actually surprised me that they were favored at all, even if it was that narrow. But uh, I I hope I'm wrong. I do. I I hope I'm wrong in this situation. I'm going Raiders 20, Jets 10. I hope I'm wrong. Raiders 20, Jets 10. I hope I'm wrong. Richard Head on uh, Twitter, and at NY Richard Head says, uh, I get it, <laughs> funny. Aiden O'Connell not beating the Jets defense on prime time. Jets 20, Raiders 13. And then Mariners Geek says, no, come on. Jets 20, Raiders 13. Same score as the other guy. I don't know, man. I don't have any faith in Zach Wilson. Sorry. Then we look, we move over to the Giants at the Cowboys at 425. I mean, the Cowboys lost to the Arizona Cardinals, so the Giants have a good chance, right? Wrong. I mean, Tommy DeVito, it's a great story and all. I know he had first-team reps all week, but I cannot see an avenue where he gets it done in Dallas. The Giants got blown out at home in week one, in case you forgot, with Jones, with Barkley, and with Waller. And the only one left standing is Saquon. But guess what? The Dallas defense holds running backs to just four and a half yards per carry. It's fourth best in the league. So, in other words, good luck getting the ground game going, too. So, the Giants are going to fall behind early. Therefore, the game is going to rely on the arm of Tommy DeVito, the big blue Guido, and it's it's just not going to work out for them. And by the way, Matt Barkley has been elevated. He'll be the backup quarterback. And I would not be surprised if he gets some work in this game, having already been familiar somewhat with the day ball scheme. Spread of the game, 17 and a half. It feels like it should be even wider. I hope I'm wrong here, but I'm going Cowboys 40, Giants 6. Sorry, I know. That's, that's you know, but that's how I see it happening. I, 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 and there's another part of me that's like, you know what? I, I hope I'm not wrong because... Again, I picked the Cowboys in my survivor pool, and I'd much rather have a win there than in a Week 10 Giants victory. Sorry. Week 10 in a survivor pool? Like, I can't believe I'm still in it. And it's a free one by one of those betting sites, but the prize is $100,000. And it started with like 67,000 people or something ridiculous, and I'm one of just 4,613 people left in it. 
And Friday afternoon, I, I looked at the teams with the highest win percentages in the league, like in the NFL. And in the top five, I still have not used in this pool. I have not used the Eagles yet. I haven't used the Lions. And I haven't used the Jaguars. Three out of the top five teams with the highest win percentage I haven't yet used. I, I still have Cincinnati to use when they're all uninjured, you know. I just I feel like I'm in a really good position. Week one, I picked the Commanders. Week two, I picked the Giants. They only won two games this season. Might not win another one. So weeks one and two put me in a good spot. So, yes, while I want the Giants to win, root, root, root for the home team, right? $100,000 is nice. All right, let's go out to Sparky in Dobbs Ferry, who's going to close it out tonight. What's going on, Sparky? It's been a while. How's everything, Coach? What's going on? Not much. Um... Now, as far as Zach Wilson, I think it comes down to the fact he just isn't an NFL quarterback. We're seeing it more and more every week. Yep. Okay. Yep. And what's even more alarming, okay, recently they had a game at New England where they lost a tough game, and after the game, Zach Wilson acted like his play had nothing to do with them losing. Which game was that? It was at New England. I'd I have to go it, back to that post-game press conference because that it is was something. It's like an overtime game, and personally, I think his teammates because of that can't stand him. Well, I, this year it's been better. I I feel that this year it's been better. He's been taking accountability. I, the couple videos that I watched today, I I do note improvement in that category. I do, but the on the field stuff, the adjustments is just not happening for me. Okay, now with Cashman, the other day when he's talking. What upset me more, he's more concerned about defending his inept executive staff as opposed to saying, like, things he might do to improve the team. Right. Because, you know, what's disturbing is, like, when you're talking to some fellow before and and, and 2022 is brought up, that's more the reason why Cashman should be angry. The idea that the Astros are celebrating on the Yankee Stadium field after right. sweeping them in the playoffs, mm-hmm. you know, and and another thing, I I just be more concerned about what's going on with the Baltimore Orioles because they know. remind me of the Astros part two. They started off bad with losing seasons. Right, right, right. Sparky, Sparky, I got to cut you off. The the music has started. But, yes, the the Orioles are building it the right way, and that is absolutely definitely concerning. Yankees should take some notes from them, actually. Anyway, thanks to Sparky. I'm sorry to do that to you. You're a great caller. I'll talk next week, okay? Thanks for hanging with me for the past four hours, everybody. If you missed any portion of the show, I started at 11. Go back on the app. Great job to Connor and and Rami behind the glass. Uh, to Pat Boyle on the updates. Again, Sparky, again, I promise to get you in and give you more time next Saturday night. I'm on from 8 p.m. to midnight. It's at Coach McCartan on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. We got Al Cintron up next right here on The Fan. Sports Radio 101.9 FM. The Fan. W-F-N-Y.